ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report Talk. We're Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by Keegan Renault. He covers Oklahoma football through and through and is also a data analyst as well. We will get his perspective on everything that has unfolded within the last couple of days in the Oklahoma football program. And we'll break that down as well as what it means for the coaching search and the direction that's headed. We'll uh, talk to Keegan about that. We'll also get his insights on the Big 12 championship game and the rest of the college football playoff picture as well. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our weekly picks against the spread. And at the end of today's show, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. So that is what's ahead. Thanks for making us a part of your day here on the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges joins me right now as well. And Tom, what a week it has been of all that has unfolded. It starts with Bedlam, a big time win for the Pokes. Certainly was excited for those guys to break through and now it looks like they're just one win away from the college football playoff. And then all hell broke loose after that, as within a few hours, Lincoln Riley was named the head coach at USC and Oklahoma has been on a coaching search since. And then we see also in the college football world, LSU names, Brian Kelly, their head coach and, uh, all that's unfolded here in the last few days, it has been a whirlwind, to say the least. I, I got to catch my breath for a minute here. Right, no joke. I mean, it's been wild. You know, I, we didn't even really get to to you know stew in the in the bedlam madness from the game. It was you know it was like oh she won. You know, it's Pokes have a chance to go to the playoff, and we got to stew in that for maybe twelve hours and. Um, you know, after that, I was like, well, Lincoln's gone. Uh, and then it's been all OU since then. But, uh, you know, I, I don't mind not being in the limelight as an OSU fan. I, I am – the fan side of me has enjoyed this uh, somewhat fall from grace for OU, and, and now they're searching for another coach. And now I'm, I'm kind of on the hot seat – or not on the hot seat, but on the, you know – refreshing the computer every five seconds to figure out who they're going to end up taking. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I never thought that this day would come of Lincoln Riley taking the USC job. There was rumblings for a couple weeks about LSU and things seem kind of weird, kind of fishy. And the game ends on Saturday night. Lincoln Riley has his post-game news conference and he says that he is not going to be the next head coach at LSU, goes on to applaud the administration at Oklahoma, and we're all sitting back there and we're saying to ourselves, okay, well, I guess that's the end of that. Wrong. The next day he takes the job at OU at uh, USC, leaving OU. And there's a lot of ways to look at this. And I mean, he didn't, he didn't lie. No, he technically did, did not lie. It was – very similar to Aaron Rodgers and his uh, immunized comment of sorts. You know, I mean, uh, that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, man, maybe uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers and Lincoln Riley should hook up, you know, and, and be a tandem of some sorts. Right, um, the half-truth half crew. Right? 
I didn't think that we would see the day where Lincoln Riley was leaving for another college job. I always thought, okay, if he's going to leave, it's going to be for the National Football League. He could have had the Cowboys job last year. But there's been so much that's unfolded in the last few months. This Oklahoma program is different than what it was at this time last year. I mean, let's say for all intents and purposes, Tom, if Lincoln Riley leaves and takes the Cowboys job or another job last year, then Matt Campbell is the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners right now. Probably no questions asked. I mean, it would have been done fast. It would have been the easy hire of, hey, this guy is turned around a bad program at Iowa State. They're winning games. They're getting recruits. He's won in this league. Go get him, whatever it takes. He's your next head coach. But then we see that Lincoln Riley ends up staying last year, doesn't go to the Dallas Cowboys, and all that's unfolded these last few months, Oklahoma with the backdoor deal to the SEC, and then they go through this lackadaisical season where they were winning games, but they weren't playing well. And you looked at the way this season went for OU. It wasn't to the OU standard, despite them winning football games. And you hear the fans chanting for Spencer Rattler to be benched. And uh, the expectations clearly were taking a step up. Lincoln Riley has been successful in his time at OU. But every year, they've taken a step back of some sorts. Think about this. Okay, folks. When Lincoln Riley became the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners five years ago, he was handed a Ferrari that included Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um, you know, a staff that was already in place from Bob Stoops, all those great assistant coaches, everything was there. And recruiting was already done for that season. Bob got the guys through spring ball and – what do you know? Lincoln gets them to the playoff. They lose in the Rose Bowl to Georgia, who eventually lost to Alabama in the national championship game. But every year since then, they've taken a step back of some sorts. And this past year was the worst season that Lincoln Riley's had at OU. Now, granted, it wasn't a bad year at all. They won 10 games. They lost to two very good teams in Baylor and Oklahoma State who were competing for the Big 12 title. In Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's case, you know, they're competing for the, the college football playoff. Those weren't bad losses by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't what OU fans are accustomed to. Championships are the expectations in Norman. And you look at where OU is heading the SEC. The way this program is at right now is not good enough for where they need to be in the SEC. The LSU job, if he were to take that, comes with a lot of pressure. We are looking at that LSU program where their last two coaches have been national championship winning coaches getting fired, okay? I don't think that Lincoln Riley wanted the pressure of the SEC. I wouldn't say necessarily that he was running away, that he was scared of the SEC. I think he was scared of the pressure that came with the SEC. Oklahoma and LSU were going to offer exactly what USC did. This was not about the Benjamins. This was about taking the easy way out of why he's at USC. 
And there's going to be rumblings about how long this was in the works. Lincoln, he, he may not have lied on Saturday night, but he lied to Scott Van Pelton Sports Center a couple nights ago when he said that it all unfolded on Sunday. And then he backtracked and said, well, actually, it was after the game Saturday night. Hmm. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, a life-changing decision to move your family out to Los Angeles, wife and kids and everything. Yeah. Hmm. That just happened all, you know, within a few hours span coming from the same guy that took seven months to decide between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall real likely. Yeah, sure. Um, and then we see when we get to this Roy Manning situation of him still being employed by OU going on a recruiting visit with Bob Stoops. And then we hear from recruits directly that he was recruiting on behalf of USC as an employee of OU. And the OU Compliance Department, they're a bunch of hard asses. We know that. I think that's one of the reasons why that Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma was that the Compliance Department, this is the one thing I fault OU on in all this, is the Compliance Department at OU is not up to SEC snub. That ever since the Red Bomar deal, the Compliance Department at OU And you hear from guys like Eddie Radosevich and Kerry Murdoch have all talked about this too, that are on the OU beats that say, look, ever since that Brett Bomar deal, they run a tight ship, a tight operation there. Uh, You know, if practice ends at three o'clock, the compliance people are out in the field at 302 and they're saying, shut it down, get out of here. That that's not how things work with Nick Saban in Alabama. He controls his own program. Lincoln Riley wanted to operate Oklahoma in a bubble of some sorts, separate from the rest of the athletic department. That's how he wanted that football program to stand out. And Joe Castiglione wasn't going to let that happen. He wanted control of that football program. There was a bit of a power struggle there. And that's where I think when you talk about the reasons Lincoln left, he was afraid of the pressure of the SEC, and he knew that the compliance department was not what it needs to be for OU to compete in the SEC. Now, maybe there's some self-realization. Maybe we see some changes where Oklahoma starts to relax a little bit when it comes to compliance. But I got to tell you, the resources are there. Oklahoma, as we're taping this on Thursday afternoon, they haven't picked out their head coach yet, but they'll find somebody. They're going to be just fine. And they very well could find somebody that's even better than Lincoln Riley is. I don't think that's out of the question. I don't think Oklahoma is going to stay, take a step back of some sorts. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk to Keegan later, and I know he's high on Matt Rule. Um, that's a name I've loved from the jump. It would be tough to bring him in from the NFL, but it could be. I think it can be done, but we'll see. Um, it has been a wild couple of days at Norman. This coaching search, Tom, this is unfamiliar territory, too. I mean, in my lifetime, I was born in 96. The last time OU had a coaching search was the winter of 1998. I've never seen OU in this position before. I've never seen OU vulnerable. And I think Darren Ravel, there's a tweet of his that goes around every time these type of things happen that, say, that says, you know, this might be bad for all parties involved, you know, having to go through this, but it's great for the content, great for the entertainment. I am highly entertained by <laughs> what has 
gone down the uh, last couple of weeks uh, or the, the last few days, rather. I mean, the Roy Manning thing is as bizarre as it gets. And he's ultimately going to be the fall guy. I don't see how he's employed by OU or USC by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I mean, that is a uh, maybe a potential scandal waiting to break open. Um, and, you know, I like, I like kind of what you said about, um, you know, Lincoln Riley could have the Dallas job. Like, think about that. If that would have happened, this is a completely different situation. Um, you know, if if Lincoln Riley leaves uh, OU, I don't know how. I mean, maybe you know, maybe OU and Texas still decide to buddy up. I don't know. I th- I think for the most part, I think that you know OU admin thought, hey, maybe we obviously want to move to the SEC because more money. We think we can compete and at least, you know, we think we can play with the big dogs, at least in football and, and, and go that route. And, you know, with Bob Bowlesby and, and never, you know, the buttonheads of Texas and OU, they figured they could get out pretty easily. And kind of, they were kind of riding the high horse, um, you know, after they had, had, had made that exit. And I think maybe that could have changed some things if Lincoln Riley wouldn't have been there and they would have had maybe Matt Campbell in there from the jump, but maybe, you know, maybe Lincoln Riley did voice concerns about going to the SEC and OU and Texas said, no, screw you. We're going to do it anyway. Um, and, and that could have ultimately left, you know, led to his, um, I don't know, at this point, it sounds, it seems like he hates OU the way he's just pretty much gutted the team and taken recruits um, and, and, and spent that money. Oh, yeah, money he, he won't even refer to them down. by name anymore. You right, know, that he, he place said that, I left. That place I left, yeah. Right, like that. And, you know, if, if Matt Campbell comes in, the whole thing changes. I think, you know, you know for the – you mentioned the big high expectation. I mean, I'd, I'd like to go back and listen to the, to the show before, you know, the season preview on what we said, I, I can guarantee you that one of us said, or maybe both of us said Spencer Rattler, probably for Heisman. I, I would imagine that me and you probably put, put OU in the championship game. I did. Um, right. Exactly. We both um, actually, we did. We both picked Oklahoma versus Alabama in the national championship game with Spencer Rattler winning the Heisman trophy. That right. was the expectation. And this was supposed to be the team. If you recall, you know, OU might not be having the number one, two or three recruiting classes, but they have dominated the transfer portal almost to the same degree that Alabama has dominated the recruiting trail, the high school recruits. There wasn't a talent issue at OU. The players have been there. This was a letdown, and it came down to coaching. And you look at the way they performed in two of those last three games with those losses – it was on the coaching staff. I think Lincoln Riley was checked out. Um, I think that's a fair thing to say. And as far as the SEC future goes, you know, I've heard some talking heads talk about the future for Oklahoma and the SEC that maybe they should reconsider the move to the SEC altogether. And to me, that's a bridge too far. I think that you've made that commitment. The money is too good. Texas is going to be there. You still have some friends that you know in A&M and Mizzou. People forget, OU Mizzou is actually a decent rivalry. You get to get that back. Um, No, you got to go forward with this. And 
you know, maybe you take your time. I'm not opposed to the idea of Oklahoma stepping back and saying, okay, let's make sure we cross our T's and dot our I's and have everything to go ready to go before we go to the SEC. Maybe if you're looking for a self-realization in all this of what Oklahoma needs to change before they go to the SEC is compliance has got to relax a little bit. Um, they have to get tougher. Lincoln Riley, uh, I think his biggest struggle and why things are the way they are right now, why they didn't get over the hump this year, they weren't tough enough physically. They were not tough enough at the line of scrimmage and defensively. They got to well, look, find at, their, look at their two losses. I mean, sure. I they mean, got bullied. You can, yeah, you can even look at the two lane game. That two lane team, I don't, I don't give two shits about the record. That team is. You know, you might beat that team, but they're going to come out and, whoop and try to punch you in the mouth. Right. I mean, they've struggled again. And now KU, I wouldn't call KU a physical team. I wouldn't call them soft. I mean, KU's pretty much out there playing with house money, nothing to lose, especially after the Texas game. Um, but then you look at OU's two losses. It's Baylor and Oklahoma State. Um, and, and as far as being a fan on my end, this is probably the most physical Oklahoma I've ever seen. Yeah. Ever. Um, Even on offense. I mean, Jalen Warren, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you listened to the Bedlam game, but I went back and watched the next day to see what the announcers were saying. Um, and they were mentioning Jalen Warren. Kirk Herbstreet even said, <laughs> I remember this, and I was like, well, he's not lying. Mentioned about Jalen Warren that they were like, this man almost likes, you know, taking out the incoming linebacker more than he likes running the ball. I mean, how much did it look like Jalen Warren enjoyed laying the block? Right. Um, on the incoming defender. I mean, it's a physical-ass team. Right. That's, that's what I'm looking at for Oklahoma is that they got to find a way to be more physical. Compliance has got to, you know, back off a little bit of some sorts. Um, and then, of course, you know, finding the right head coach. And, you know, we, we've always had this idea in mind that Oklahoma and Texas were going to get to the SEC as quickly as possible. I think that – with knowing where the TV contract is in the SEC, remember, they're not getting that new TV deal with ESPN until 2024. Um, that's when the money starts rolling in. You're not going to make any more money leaving for the SEC right now in 2023 than you are going to make in the Big 12. Um, I would be patient. I would say get all those things right first. Make sure you have everything ready to go because just naturally speaking – this team's going to take a step back because you're losing as much as you are in recruits in the transfer portal. You're not going to be able to salvage everybody. You'd like to have Caleb Williams stay and, and uh, you know, a lot of your recruits, you know, they have the number one recruiting class that they had anyway for 2023 in the country. Um, you can't salvage all of that, all of that. But I do think that there's some self-realization that OU needs to realize. Coaching search, um, as Bob Stoops has said, no one is bigger than, no one man is bigger than the brand that is Oklahoma. Um, they can find as good a coach as anybody out there and be okay. Uh, I applaud Bob Stoops for the way that he has stepped up throughout this. Um, for Oklahoma fans, that 24-hour stretch, losing to Oklahoma State and, and you know losing their head coach was as dark as it's been for Oklahoma football probably in the last 20-plus years. It was bad. And Bob Stoops gave the message that Sooner Nation needed to hear 
And, you know, he's going to coach the bowl game. He's out on the recruiting trail. Now, I, I do take issue with Bob Stoops recruiting in my hometown of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and taking a recruit out to Chili's. Um, that's an insult to my hometown to think that that's all we have to offer is Chili's. Um, I, I do have a problem with that. At least take them out to Hideaway. Yeah, I mean, or Charleston's right there by the Bass Pro Pond, you know, have a little nice view of some sorts. I mean, come on. Um, but, I mean, all kidding aside here, uh, Bob's done a great job. Uh, you know, if if Bob wanted to be the head coach again, if he wanted another run, I think you would let him. But I, I don't, that's not happening. Bob's enjoying himself with his rock and roll tequila and, and uh, you know, being on TV and all that, making mm-hmm. you know, having an easy life. And I don't blame Bob one bit for not wanting to get back into coaching because he's got it good. Um, but, now, now, what will be interesting, big noon with Reggie Bush and Matt Leonard, I mean, I want, did I, is that – did he step away? Did Bob stop Bob? No, Bob is, Bob is going to be a part of their coverage on uh, Saturday night of the Big Ten Championship, sitting that's, right next to Reggie and Matt. That's, that's must-see TV. I wonder what the conversations have been like as they've been doing their show prep and such the last few oh, days between those three. I mean, you know, look at Bob. He's a competitor and still is Reggie Bush and Matt Liner. They're definitely talking. <laughs> All in jest, of course. I mean, I, I mean, right. They're friends. You know, I mean, yeah, for sure. But I'm sure there's a little jar in back and forth. There's got to be. Yeah. So, I would. So that's where things stand right now. Um, we play the waiting game at this point, and we'll talk to Keegan more about it in uh, just a bit. But what a wild few days, to say the least, of what has gone down. Let's go ahead and uh, shift gears now and go around the National Football League. And Thursday night football tonight, the Cowboys taking on the Saints. Tom, both these teams, desperate. Saints at five and six, Cowboys at seven and four. A lot of injuries for both these teams, but it looks like Amari Cooper is going to be back tonight for the Cowboys after uh, dealing with COVID-19. The Saints get Alvin Kamara back after a knee. They don't. They Are actually they-, they, they called him out this morning. It won't be – I only know this because he's on my fantasy team, but um, they, had, they had already ruled him out okay. uh, as of this morning, but it won't, it won't be officially announced until – until 90 minutes before, but yeah. Okay, so no Alvin Kamara. Uh, Taysom Hill is going to start at quarterback. Um, Man, uh, I I look at this game, Tom. I think the Cowboys, I know they haven't played great, but uh, I expect them to make a statement tonight. I think that they're going to win with ease. This New Orleans team's just got too many problems right now. Yeah, I mean, Nola's banged up pretty good, and, um, you know, they got taken to the woodshed last week (laughs) against Buffalo. Um, and I think they might get taken to the woodshed again tonight. The Bucs taking on the Falcons. The Bucs, they are the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl again. Tom Brady, the odds-on favorite to be the MVP as well. Some really good football being played by the Bucs right now. The Falcons at five and six, and uh, the Falcons uh, are uh, the home team in this one. They're still in playoff contention, believe it or not, Tom. There's 13 teams in the NFC that are still in the hunt when it comes playoff time. By the way, uh, I love the term in the hunt, by the way. <laughs> uh, the uh, Bucks, another, I think, much like this Cowboys Saints thing, Tom, uh, I think it's going to be a big day for the Bucks here. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. And, and uh, the way, you know, the Falcons had a few good games 
uh, you know, starting off, I felt like they were, you know, had some hope and then they have just gone back to uh, the Falcons. We, we know and love, love to hate. Right. Matt Ryan doing Matt Ryan. Thanks. Um, we will uh, move on. Pretty much. There's, uh, <laughs> there's not much we need to say. It all speaks for itself. Cardinals and bears. Right. Cardinals are nine and two bears at four and seven. We haven't seen Kyler Murray in a minute, but the Cardinals still keep finding ways to win. And what I find fascinating, Tom, you know, we, we've heard Cliff Kingsbury, his name come up in the OU coaching search, which I think is just funny. He's not going to be, he's not going back to college. He's doing a hell of a job with the Cardinals right now. Um, it's funny to me that um, we gave all this credit to Kyler Murray, right? And their management for the team they built around Kyler Murray. It's time to start giving credit to their coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff is doing a really good job to get his team through these injuries that they've suffered right now. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, we have to give Kingsbury some credit here. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot too, obviously, with Kyler Murray. Um, you know, he's been playing great. And, uh, you know, despite his injuries, the Cardinals are finding ways to win, albeit a, a couple of games. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cliff, I did not expect him to do this well. Uh, I mean, Cardinals have drafted really, really well. Um, and I, I, that you have to attribute some of that to that, but also that comes back to Cliff Kingsbury. So, uh, it makes me, it believes a bad taste in my mouth to, to say it just because the Cardinals are in the Rams division. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with what he's done, I did not expect that out of him. <laughs> the Cardinals taking or the uh, Chargers taking on the Bengals. Really good game between two of the best young quarterbacks in the league, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Tom, this is only the beginning. We're going to see some great matchups, I think, for a long time for both these two uh, going forward here. Should be a lot of fun. Right now, who do you like more? Do you like Herbert or Burrow better? Uh, you know, I like, I, like, I like both, but I think I have to go with Burrow more. Uh, Burrow looks – I don't know. He, he seems like – I'm not saying Justin Herbert's not a competitor, but some there's some fight or look at Burrow's eyes like he's not going to give up. I, I think he could shoot the man 15 times and he's going to still be out there slinging it. Um, I'm trying to think who whoever they whoever the Bengals played um, last weekend. Burrow got in a scuffle. Yeah, he got maybe he got in a scuffle. He got a scuffle with somebody from the Steelers that was much bigger than he was. Um, I, one of the D linemen, uh, no, it was TJ Watt. And I was like, Oh, Burrow, like that is not the fight you want to pick. I can promise you. Um, and, and Burrow was all up in TJ Watt's grill. And I'm like, that's a bad idea. But uh, you know, I don't think maybe Justin Herbert would do the same, but I don't think so. But I like them both, but I, I, I gotta be a, a Joe Burrow fan. I think I like Burrow a little bit more. And here's why the chargers have given Justin Herbert a lot more to work with than what the Bengals have given Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's plan just as good as Justin Herbert. Basically their numbers are pretty similar. The and Bengals don't really have a line. I don't know. The like. Bengals line is horrible. And Joe Burrow's having a pro bowl caliber season. I give a slight edge to Joe Burrow, but I like both guys, Vikings and lions. Lions uh, at 0 10 and 1, still looking for that first win of the year. The Vikings at 5 and 6. Tom, the Vikings, their offense is as good as any offense in football. 
Every game this year, they've led by seven points or more at some point. It's that defense that lets them down. Um, and Kirk Cousins, he's having a career season. He's only thrown three interceptions and 23 touchdowns as well as 3,000 yards here. Uh, Vikings, this should be an easy win. Get them to 500, and what do you know? Maybe uh, they can make some noise uh, with, an out, with an outside chance at the postseason here. Yeah, they very well could. And, you know, no Dalvin Cook, he's out. Um, so Madison will take over, but it's not the first time Madison's had to take over for Dalvin Cook this year. Um, so, you know, maybe the Vikings can can get back. It's it's. I didn't know that stat. They've been up by at least seven in every game. I did not know that. Um, that's pretty jarring, um, and that really tells you how bad that defense is. Um, but, you know, if they do fall to the Lions, you got to think this is – if the Lions pull this off, you got to think Zimmer's out. Oh, you would you would think. <laughs> Goodness. I would hope. The Giants take on the Dolphins. Here's a stat for you, Tom. The Giants are 4-0 all-time at Miami. They're putting that record on the line this weekend. And the Giants are so banged up. No Shepard, no Tony, no Rudolph, no Ross, no Smith. Um, the Dolphins here... Man, uh, every week I feel like it's an audition for two at this point. You can even say the same thing probably for Daniel Jones, too. Uh, both these guys need to step things up a bit if they don't want to be backups in this league next year. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and you know what? I feel bad for Daniel Jones because the whole team has been banged up all year. You know, you lose Saquon for however long now that he's back. All your receivers are pretty much out. Uh, Saquon Barkley is getting no help either. He's only had – he hasn't rushed for over 60 yards in any game he's been in. Um, you know, it's – the Giants are just, uh, you know, might as well be called a freaking uh, physician's office at this point, as many injuries as they have. Um, so, you know, the Dolphins, I think, is a, I think this is a must-win game for them. I mean, not that, like, they're going to make any noise or make the playoffs, but, uh, you know, you mentioned it too. I think you, you got to – recognize that hey this team's banged up all to hell got to come in and take care of business i mean and, and the way jalen waddle has played i think fantastic miles gaskin not had a bad year either jalen waddle though has been fired on all cylinders i think they you know first i don't feel like they were getting him involved a whole lot here lately they have been and he's looked really good yeah, I know you're right about that. Eagles taking on the Jets. Eagles at five and seven. Jets at three and eight on the year. And uh, the Eagles in this one are about a seven-point favorite in this ball game. Tom, Jalen Hurts had been playing really good all year till about last week when uh, he was just a, a mess. I'd be surprised if he doesn't bounce back against the lowly Jets here. You know, I think, I think they will. Last time they played a shit team. Uh, was against the Lions and absolutely blew the doors off of them. I don't think they're going to blow the doors off the Jets. The Jets won last week. It was the Texans, but they did win. Um, you know, they got Trent Coleman in running back. You know, they're not, you know, 100% healthy either, obviously. But, I, you know, I like – I think Eagles bounce back. I think Hurts has a solid game, especially on the ground. Colts taking on the Texans. Uh, how about Jonathan Taylor? 14 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. He has 200 yards more in rushing than any running back in the league right now. He is 
been tremendous this year, and it's helping the rest of the offense. Carson Wentz with a nice bounce back year so far, close to 2,800 yards, 21 touchdowns, and five picks. Um, Tom, keep it on the ground. Keep that run game going to open up the the passing game. Uh, If they continue to do that, if you can run the football well in December – then uh, your team's in good shape. I like what the uh, the Colts are doing right now. They could possibly go on a run here to end the regular season. Yeah, I think they could too. I mean, the Colts look fantastic. I mean, with uh, what the way Jonathan Staler's playing, I mean, I feel like that's opened it up big for Carson Wentz, and I feel like that's why he's had you know several good weeks in a row. That you know, hey, your defense, you got to respect it. You got to respect the run, and maybe that's why Tennessee has been so good. You know, here lately with Derrick Henry, don't have the best passer back there in the world, but when you got to respect the run, it's going to open up the top. So the Colts are very dangerous. I would not want to play them in the first round of playoffs. No. The uh, football team taking on the Raiders. This game will be in our pick later on. Tom, uh, I know that the, the Washington football team's played better as of late, and the Raiders had a huge win on Thanksgiving in overtime over the Cowboys but I feel like both these teams are kind of fool's gold of some sorts. I'm not expecting much out of either one of these teams. They've had their moments, but I mean, to me, there, there's, there's nothing to ride home about, about either one of these, these teams going forward. The Raiders have been such a mess off the field. Washington, their defense is loaded with lots of injuries, including Chase Young here. Um, to me, it almost doesn't matter who wins this game because neither team is going to do anything. I don't think. No, neither do I. And, you know, the Raiders have, despite, you know, all everything that's happened, you know, I don't think they make the playoffs or anything, but despite everything, I think they've had a, a, a pretty decent year con- considering what they could have been. Um, Daniel Carlson, the kicker for the Raiders, he got food poisoning, and, and he, he said uh, that he would consider wearing an adult diaper if that meant he got to play. Um that's to be incredible. out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's commitment. I mean, he's not a bad kicker either. He, I think he put up last week in fantasy. I think he had 21 points. You know, not a bad kicker. I like the Raiders, though, you know, um, from what they've done. Like you said, football team, fool's gold. <laughs> the uh, Rams have struggled as of late. Tom, you've seen uh, this firsthand with this team. It has not been good the uh, last few weeks. And uh, OBJ, they were expecting a lot more out of him than what they've seen so far. If you needed to get back on track, if you needed a team to give you like a slump buster of some sorts, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a good team to uh, do so. But keep in mind, this team did just beat the Bills a couple weeks ago too. So maybe don't get too excited. You know, I expect the Rams to bounce back. Uh, it has been like a, a mid-season slump of some sorts, um, you know, and Stafford's – he needs a he needs a confidence booster game, and I think this one might be it. Uh, you know, if the Rams somehow poop the bed here and lose this one, uh, you might be starting to talk about, you know, the Rams missing the playoffs. Knock on wood. I yeah. think they'll be fine, though. I think they'll be fine. Ravens and Steelers. The Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC right now, taking on a Steeler team that just got the blow, the doors blown off of them last week. Big Ben is just looking rough. I mean, it's time to play Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or anybody else. Big Ben doesn't have it anymore. Um, I know the game's in Pittsburgh, Tom, but there's no reason why Baltimore should not win this game running away. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, last week, Big Big Ben looked like a lame duck out there. I mean, he's he's just he's just a sitting target there anymore. I mean, he can't move like he used to. I, I, I think uh, that's got to be mean to ducks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. At that you know, at that point, it's just you know, Mike Tomlin's got to figure it out. I get that you want a swan song, Big Ben, and he's you know done what he need to do to kind of deserve a swan song, but this has got to be it. I mean, something's got to change or Tomlin's job's on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's uh, wishing he would have gone to USC. The uh, (laughs) 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks, man, Russell Wilson doesn't look happy right now. I was not convinced a year ago that he was going to depart. And I know the rumors were out there about the bears and such. I wasn't really convinced of it. Now seeing the way things have gone the last few weeks, I'm starting to be convinced that this is the last hoorah for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll there in Seattle at this point in time. Um, It it just doesn't feel right the way things are. I think things are coming to an end. Meanwhile, for the Niners, they've played better football as of late. Jimmy G has stepped up a bit. Um, Watch out. The Niners, uh, I think they're on the up and up right now. I like the way the Niners have been playing, in particular on the defensive side of the ball too. Yeah, the Niners have been playing well, and and I like what you mentioned about the Seahawks. I think this is the end. Um, I, I think this is the end end of the road for Pete Carroll. I think Seahawks will go a different direction, especially if they finish fourth in the NFC West. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, I think he might move on as well. Uh, I mean, this is this is what you're seeing now is is the end of a um, a poor end man's dynasty. Yeah, it really is. I wouldn't call him a dynasty at all. It's no, it was the poor man's, but it was the dynasty that never was. We had expectations when they got that first one. Okay, watch out! They got this legion of you know doom here and a, a great young quarterback and all this talent around him. They get back to the Super Bowl, should have won it that next year, but Bill Belichick and the Patriots had something to say about that, and they just haven't been the same since. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Broncos and Chiefs. We'll pick this game coming up later on. Chiefs have played a lot better football as of late. Really well. I like what I've seen from the Chiefs on both sides of the ball. The defense in particular, their last four games have only given up a total of 33 points. Huge turnaround from earlier this year. I mean, you look at the first game of the year against the Browns, they gave up 32 points. The week after against the Ravens, they gave up 34 Big difference. And Patrick Mahomes is limiting his mistakes. I like what I've seen from the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC. Broncos, not bad at 6-5. and Teddy Bridgewater playing very well. Good defense there in Denver. I think the Chiefs are too much for Denver, though. I think Denver can make this a touchdown ball game or so, but the way the Chiefs are playing right now, they're not going to slip up. Andy Reid, he is so good coming off bye weeks, too. I expect a big night from the Chiefs on uh, Sunday Night Football here. Yeah, I think so, too. And the Broncos' defense has played well, and they've kind of, you know, exceeded, in my eyes, their expectations for the season after we kind of wrote them off. Um, but Chiefs will be too much, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right about that. Um, and then on a Monday Night Football, the Patriots and the Bills. The Patriots, the hottest team in the NFL. The Bills at 7-4. and four. The Patriots now leading that division – Tom, I like what I've seen from New England. Bill Belichick's getting every ounce possible out of this team. Talent-wise, 
they're like middle of the road in the NFL. But Bill Belichick has found a way to turn them into one of the best teams in the AFC. That's all Belichick right now. Meanwhile, on the Bills side of things, Josh Allen's got to be more consistent. I mean, when it comes down to it, he's got all those weapons. And we see one week they look like they're as good as anybody. And then another week they lay an egg. And it comes down to quarterback play. If, if Josh Allen plays to his potential, they should win this game. But you and I both know Bill Belichick's going to have some stuff dialed up that we haven't seen for Josh Allen. We'll see how he responds. That's, to me, what this game comes down to. How does Josh Allen respond to what Bill Belichick in this defense throws at him? Right. I think you're right. And, and I wouldn't be shocked to see the Patriots pull this off. Um, you mentioned if Josh Allen's consistent, then the Bills should win this game. They just blew out the Saints. Um, but this Patriots team's a different different dog. Um, you know, Mac Jones should be the rookie of the year in my eyes. Uh, he's played phenomenal. He's he's done what he needed to do. And, you know, it just shows you that, you know, maybe Bill Belichick, maybe it wasn't Tom Brady, you know. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of both that made them that good because – Patriots team I wouldn't want to face in the in the playoffs either. Pats Colts would be a hell of a game. I think this is this this Monday night game, Pats Bills is going to be one of the better Monday night football games you'll see all year. Yeah, I think so. And that does it for our look around the National Football League. More NFL discussion coming up in the football fix when Coach Bo joins us, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Keegan Renault is going to join us next. We'll talk more about the OU coaching search. What has gone down with Lincoln Riley. We'll also have our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Also our Big 12 breakdown. All of that and more still ahead. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, he is the manager of RPM Data. He's also doing radio for the franchise in Oklahoma City. It is Keegan Renault who joins us as we're talking all things OU of what has gone down in what has felt like a month, but really just the last several days. Keegan, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining us. Where do we even start with all this? I, mean, I think you, you start with, one, just how far along everything is. I think Scott Van Pelt put Lincoln Riley in a very tough position, and he kind of showed his cards the other night. Um, it's been a – you just don't – and I think a lot of people and these people see my reactions and, you know, oh, calling me an OU fan again now and like this and that and whatever. But, you know, I covered Lincoln Riley for four years. I've got some unique insight into his program, how things were raw. Uh, and like I said, like this, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen in Oklahoma. And I know everybody's like, oh, this is just the business. This is college football. This is what this is. Like, not at Oklahoma. And I'm sure we'll dive into more of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we certainly will. The last time we saw Lincoln Riley donning the crimson and cream, other than wearing the Air Jordans the last couple of days, uh, was walking off the field against Oklahoma State when they suffered that loss uh, in Bedlam Saturday night. But all indications point to whether Lincoln Riley says it or not, this has been in the works for quite some time here. What exactly went down, do you think, that attracted Lincoln Riley to USC? I think the first thing you start with, with Oklahoma and like Oklahomans, I don't give me, I said, so we did this immediately right after this went down. There's going to be three truths to the story. There's going to be Lincoln Riley's, there's going to be Oklahoma's, and then there's going to be the truth. We're never going to know number three. 
we're just going to have to pick apart the two others, the, what Lincoln Riley has done and said and what Oklahoma and Joe Castiglione and done and said, I don't get me wrong. Like I, I think Oklahoma wanted to kind of show that their program is their program. It's not tied to one head coach. And they kind of wanted to make that known. And I think Lincoln Riley had a long list of demands that was very lucrative and Oklahoma had some pauses to that and they wanted to continue to negotiate and continue to do this and continue to do that. And I think at the end, I'm pretty positive on this. I think at the end, Oklahoma met everything besides a couple things. And OU's compliance tweet last night, I think gave away at least one of those things. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, Riley's been very adamant that he chose USC because of the administration and their instinct and how they're committed to winning, not committed to, you know, hear all these coaches talk about, right. Committed to winning, you know, that's from Lincoln, but most times you hear like commitment to excellence, commitment to excellence on and off the field and tag commitment to integrity. Like you hear some of those buzzwords, right. Thrown around and culture, right. blah, blah. Now he was very apparent. I'm they're committed to winning. And I think that's so intriguing because I just, Tell me, Tyler, you're from the state of – I believe you are from the state of Oklahoma. Yes, you've yeah. been around this program. You've heard – you've been around. You've seen the coverage of it. You've seen reports that from the inside of how things are run. You, you've seen this. You've seen that. You just can't – you can't tell me you couldn't win at the level you needed to at Oklahoma to be satisfied because I think whenever you kind of look at this season, it's clear they did maximize the talent that's on their roster – and that only falls on one person and it has nothing to do with the athletic department, and the administration. Right. And you covered recruiting for a long time too, Keegan. And looking at that Oklahoma roster this year with as many guys they brought in from the transfer portal, as well as their recruiting class, the talent was there to compete. And with Alabama down this year, LSU down, of course, this was a huge opportunity that they totally just missed on. That is on the head coach. That's no one else to blame. And I think the thing with Lincoln, I said, I think like three times now, that's what you have to do whenever stories like this and there's no transparency. And I, again, I, I think Lincoln, like the fact that they were nine and zero, and people were all over his back for that. But at the same time, like I say this and I, I mean this, it, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. I, that's never going to go away. That's my life. It's been my life. I, you know, I tell my people this story all the time, and it's really funny. My dad hates the Cubs more than he hates Texas. It's pretty funny. Right. Um, and he hates the – I know I'm in Kansas City right now, but he also hates the Royals just about as equally as much because I'm sure he was around and alive and saw what happened in, the, uh, in that World Series. But um, the Cardinals, you know, they have a very – and I know people get tired of the best fans in baseball and blah, 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 but they're very smart fan base. Whenever, and you could tell this summer and this season, right? Whenever the Cardinals were like, it's, we're close, we're close. We just need to get the things rolling. And they're like, no, you're not. We can watch it. We can see it. And Oklahoma's fan base is kind of the same way. Alabama, um, Ohio State, like there's a select few programs where fan bases have seen excellence for so long. They know when something's off. And I think Lincoln wasn't a fan of one of the quarterbacks getting booed at home 
I don't think he was a fan of people all over his back about being nine and zero. But that, that's every coach, though. We heard Nick Saban go on a rant about right. that a couple of weeks ago. And so I understand that. But I also think that you've got to understand the position you're in. You haven't won anything at Oklahoma. You can talk about five straight Big 12 championships. You can talk about playoff appearances. You can talk about Heisman Trophy winners. There is only one expectation at Oklahoma. And that's to win a national championship. And if you don't accomplish that in your tenure, you fail. And if you do accomplish that in your tenure, that means you're around for 20 years because you understand how hard it is. And I'm playing the whole little Oklahoma card here. And I promise you, I'm trying to avoid that as much as I can because they're one of the powers and titans in this sport. But they do have recruiting disadvantages. They're located. They're not located in a talent-rich area. They've got to recruit nationally to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, and anybody that I will vouch for my state as much as I possibly can. don't want to come to the state of Oklahoma to live here. They want to come to the state of Oklahoma to play football. And that's always a hard sell to have as a head coach and why it took Lincoln Riley so long to break into modern day, to break into IMG, to break into the DMV up in the DC area, Gonzaga high school, St. Francis high school, some modern day uh, Bosco. He almost broke into there out of Southern California. Look at the places he's been in Arizona. He broke into Bishop Gorman again that Oklahoma had been in a long time. And that was hard to do that. And I think that, again, when you kind of add all those things together, you just it's hard to talk about how you don't have the resources and availability to win at Oklahoma. You have a top 10 recruited roster. You're recruiting in the 2023 class. You're going to land the number one class in the country. You had a top five class in 22. Again, it's just like Brian Kelly going to LSU because of potential resources and advantages. We all get that. We know LSU football right. compared to Notre Dame football. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't tell me that this isn't a lateral move between OU and USC. And again, I think Lincoln's going to deny that as much as he possibly can. But obviously some friction between Oklahoma and him. We'll never know the truth. Um, but the track record of Lincoln over the years now, you go listen to quotes and this and that. It's hard to believe anything coming inside Right. Absolutely. And the question, obviously, that's come up right away from the jump was the SEC and the fact that Oklahoma, of course, is making this move at the latest of 2025 and that he was rumored for this LSU job for the last couple of weeks and apparently turned that job down. How much of this of Lincoln going to USC was about avoiding the SEC, you think? Oh, I don't think it's about avoiding the SEC. Like, yeah, I, I want to say this up front, and I would tell Lincoln this from the get-go. If I he was in the Zoom meeting or if he's in my room and we're sitting down sitting here and saying this, he is – I think he means well. I think he's he is behind the scenes a really good family man. I think that he's – you know, I, I think that he's done great for a lot of people. He's um, not good at making brisket, though. He isn't good at making brisket and family dinners, I guess. Yes. But, but at the same time – I don't think Lincoln's scared of the SEC. I think Lincoln Riley is scared to fail in the SEC. And I think those are two completely different conversations. And I think that he didn't think Oklahoma was putting him in the best position to win in the SEC. Read between the lines as much as you want. There you have it. So with all that being said, before we talk about the coaching search and all, uh, 
what an interesting development. We're recording this on Wednesday morning, and the Roy Manning situation has uh, taken an interesting turn the uh, last uh, several hours as it has come out that he was recruiting with Bob Stoops, but then we hear from another recruit that he was in contact with him on behalf of USC. What is going on with Roy Manning and then OU compliance uh, jumping in with their tweet too. Uh, Looks very, uh, this very fascinating. Uh, Tell us about what's going on in this situation there. Yeah. And I think like a lot of the people are like, well, this is just the business. This is this, this is that. Um, Oklahoma had a kid from Tulsa named Gentry Williams committed a very highly touted prospect, elite track guy, great length, six, one, six, two, corner recruited by Roy Manning recruited by Lincoln Riley and recruited by Alex Grinch right and he chose Oklahoma over USC right and again this just goes to the track record and what's happened in this entire situation right so it's hard to know what to believe I like Roy Manning I've uh I've enjoyed a beer with Roy Manning in the uh, cotton bowl and outside with some wax cups and all that fun stuff and talk to him about some things after I was done covering that game. I like him a lot. I think, again, another guy that I think means really, really well. He's genuine. He tells you how he sees it. Um, But again, whenever three, specifically three coaches and their wives are 100% ready to go the day after the season's over, it leaves things up for chance and it leaves things up for interpretation. And Roy Manning, the corners coach at Oklahoma, right now still, he was in home and has been recruiting that Gentry Williams kid. He's been doing it for a while. And now like he's in home with Bob Stoops and now going to USC. Right. And again, you're just leaving it up to interpretation of what happened. And Lincoln Riley, I jokingly said this yesterday about the Scott Van Pelt show. He's miscalculated a lot of things in the last 12 months, you know, his team, media coverage, you know, there's a lot of things that he typically does well in terms of his calculation. And he's one of the most calculated individuals I've ever been around in my life. Um, I think he miscalculated that. And I think that he didn't realize that, you know, whether Lincoln told him to do it or Roy Manning was doing it on his own, he's now in trouble. And now it looks really bad. And I think this obviously would be the response Oklahoma wants, but like I said, when you consider the factors of the situation and how Lincoln left and why Lincoln left, and then you add in this on top of it, like I, again, it's just not leaving thing up for coincidence anymore. Right. Like, I don't know if you can do that and it's hard. And I, it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. Um, but at the same time, it also, college football you know if you want to say this is the business and this is how things are done then why would you be surprised that Roy Manning is recruiting for USC on Oklahoma's dime being in those you committed the you know what if he just says you are committed to Lincoln Riley right in those meetings like that's a heavy statement for a recruit in their family right and you know it all goes back to something that's been kind of you know put out there conspiracy theory wise before all this of that Lincoln Riley was focused so much on West Coast recruiting that, you know, that they were planning to make this move for quite some time, that he was recruiting on behalf of Oklahoma, on 
recruiting for Oklahoma on behalf of USC. That was talked about for the last several days. And now this comes out too, kind of goes along those same lines. I, I think that's a reach what was mentioned before, but it certainly doesn't help the rumors anyway. It, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. You know, again, you start hearing some of this backstory with, you know, coaches and wives looking at homes in Louisiana and California for a couple of weeks and being not at Oklahoma and in those places looking at homes. And again, it just nothing about the situation. Tyler, again, you, you know, Oklahoma football, nothing mm-hmm. about this, nothing about this adds up. And I no. think that that's why, and I, you know, nationally people are like, Oh, this is just every school, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not though. Right. It's not. And I do think, there was outside of this region, a perception of Oklahoma's move to the SEC and, you know, how behind the scenes it was and how quickly it came together and Oklahoma was lying and Texas was lying. And is that like, these are two completely different situations. Oklahoma tried to save the big 12 years ago, literally a decade ago, this time of the year, Oklahoma was trying to expand, create a TV network, blah, 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 with, the Weiberg that was at Oklahoma state or a part of the big 12 at the time or Fox, whatever it may be. And so they're two completely different situations. And I think that we're having, you know, from a national perception, kind of a mix of both. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well you did this. And then Lincoln Riley did that. Like you can't be mad about it. And it's like, again, it's two completely different situations. This year, you go back to the move of them uh, announcing they're going to the SEC and everything that's followed uh, from Spencer Rattler getting benched to barely beating teams like Tulane, it feels like we're living in a 30 for 30 in real time, Keegan. I mean, what a what a movie or story this is going to be talked about for a long time of what's going on in this Oklahoma football program in the last few months. Last few months? Let's go back. I mean, Tyler, there was a, a robbery in April. Yeah. A robbery a, of a drug dealer in April. the fifth biggest thing that happened with Oklahoma football for the 2021 season. It's in, again, it's, then you add, again, you add in all those factors, right? You have a coach out the door, you have all these other internal, external factors that are going on and they still went 10 and two. It's the most amazing when you kind of sit back and you look at it and you start thinking and adding everything together. And it's like, man, they won 10 games. Like that is insane. Because we've seen dysfunction in other programs like this, and then a coach leaves, and they're going like six and six or seven and five, or Tom Herman's Houston Cougars just tank in the final three games, or Sonny Dykes' SMU Mustangs just tank the final four games of the season. Like that just didn't happen. And so, like, it's kind of weird when you think of it that way. It is. All right, let's talk about the coaching search now. Um, where does Oklahoma start? Who are the, the names that come to mind for you that uh, should be uh, leading candidates for this OU job? Yeah, I first, I, Brent Venables is, was going to get the first call regardless. And I, I think that that was, you know, a guy that if Lincoln Riley didn't come around and Bob Stoops is going to retire, Brent was going to get the call. Um, then you add in Shane Beamer, who I think the, I think he probably turned the job down. Um, but those two guys got the first calls. And, you know, it's a, it's one of those things where, you know, Joe Castiglione has a list of people that he trusts. 
and he's going to let them get the opportunity first. And if they don't want it, then he's going to go down to number three. And the number three candidate's been really weird, right, in terms of who it may be and what it may be. Um, but obviously, I think it's kind of out there at this point. There's a report from Josh McQuiston, Soonerscoop.com. When this podcast is recorded, there could be a head coach named, and that name is Matt Rule. And I can confirm he's a part of the Oklahoma coaching search. It's an intriguing one. I don't know where Joe C and Matt Rule are connected. Um, I don't know if Matt Rule knows how much he knows about the University of Oklahoma and the Oklahoma football program, but he's a big name. He's coming. He would be a guy coming from, you know, that I'm just going to say this up front. The, it will pause because he chose Sam Darnold over Justin Fields. And that's, that's a major red flag. Um, but at the same time, he's a college guy. He's was a college guy for a long time. He doesn't like to recruit, but Oklahoma is one of those unique jobs where if you win, and you win at a, at, a, at a level that you should, uh, you don't have to recruit. Recruits come to you, and all you got to do is pick up that phone call and make relationships. And, um, you know, the SEC logo is going to help a lot, SEC resources. And like I said, Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma at the very end gave Lincoln Riley everything he wanted besides a couple things. And um, if that's the case, and I've tweeted this this week, Oklahoma can thank Lincoln Riley because whoever the next head coach is is going to get everything he wanted. Yeah. And the case with Matt rule, obviously, you know, an NFL coach, you know, that's going to jump off the page. Anyone that's in the national football league, but you talk about what he's done at the college level, built up temple, built up Baylor from, you know, that awful situation that, that went on there. This guy's won at the college level and did it in two conferences um, th there's no reason to think why he would not do a good job at Oklahoma. I think if, if you, I think we heard the, the term the last couple of days for LSU bringing in Brian Kelly and USC bringing in Lincoln Riley, everybody says, you know, those are grand slams. This to me is a total grand slam. If you can find a way to bring in Matt rule, what do you think of the idea of the prospects of bringing Matt rule in to Oklahoma? What, what, what does he do for this program? What does he bring? I don't know how much he's changed since he went to the NFL, Tyler, but I, I, I think you've covered Big 12 media days before. I don't know if you did when Matt Rule was there. He's awesome. Um, you know, he's going to buy a crimson suit. He's going to show up in a crimson suit. He's going to tell it how it is. He's going to speak his mind. Um, and I think what Matt Rule's done as head coach, and the best thing he's done, Tyler, is hire good assistants. And I, that's – as a head coach, that's your, if you can do that, you're going to stick around in this game and in the game of football for a long time. Um, so obviously, and I'm just going to put this, I don't know if there's any truth. I don't know anything beyond Matt Rule's involved with the coaching search, but from the report from, again, Joshua Question of studentscoop.com, go subscribe to those guys. They're crushing it right now. Um, I mean, if Joe Brady follows him to Oklahoma, Caleb Williams stays, and if Caleb Williams stays, Oklahoma's not going anywhere. Yeah, right. Um, and, and Joe Brady, uh, for folks that may not know, was uh, the passing game coordinator when LSU won the national title just a couple of years ago, worked with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards-Elaire, that plethora of talent they had there. Uh, that offense, I mean, Joe Brady, I, I would argue – 
uh, Keegan is as good of an offensive mind as Lincoln Riley is, if not better. I think that offense, should, there's no reason to think there would be any drop-off when it comes to offense. And we saw that, you know, this team over the last couple of years kind of lacked toughness, especially on the defensive side. That's not going to fly with Matt Rule. He's known for a, a physical brand of football. I think these two can coexist. You can be physically tough, but have great offense under uh, Matt Rule here, potentially. Hey, I have great offense. And I think toughness. I think that's the key thing. If you want to look at something that Oklahoma is going to need, they're going to have to really rebuild this culture. And I hate to say that because I kind of denied the idea that the culture was bad at Oklahoma. But the more you hear from players, from things that happened in terms of, you know, lack of self self accountability within the program, a lack of adjustments being made in some key, key areas like strength and conditioning. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of, we got this figured out. We're winning a lot of football games we're just going to push all of those problems, you know, down the line and deal with them whenever the, it, it arises. And Tyler, when that happens and, you know, you have a workplace and an environment with your support staff, recruiting staff that people don't want to be a part of, like that's a, that's a red flag to you. And so I think that he's going to have to rebuild this culture from the ground up and, and kind of live on the stoops, you know, mentality of like, I don't really give a crap about who I'm recruiting like I'm going to make them be the best player that they can possibly be and I think that speaks to a lot of what the qualities and values are here in the state of Oklahoma right it's a blue collar state uh we burned everything down when Kevin Durant left Lincoln Riley's house that's for sale like who knows I'm kidding I'm joking about that um but it's just kind of who these people are right like they they appreciate that people choose them because not a lot of people choose us. And I think after the Durant thing, Dari, now, oh gosh, I'm going to screw up his last name. Dari from ESPN. That was a university of Oklahoma graduate. Went to Dari Noka. Union. Dari Noka. You know, I think he made the best point. Like, you know, the only two things you ever hear about the state of Oklahoma, you know, three for a long time, Oklahoma football and tornadoes and disasters. Mm -hmm. And that's really all a lot of people know, know Oklahoma for. And so I, to myself, I'm just going to speak for myself here. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. Right. When Lincoln Riley, by his actions, tells you that Oklahoma is not good enough, I feel for my family and I feel for my friends and I feel for my people here that it's been so long and there's just so much out there. I mean, you see things written from, you know, people up in, you know, Northeast or on the West Coast and, you know, kind of about how the way of living is here, this and that, like people take it personally. And, um, you know, like I said, like, I, I think that culture has got to be rebuilt from the ground up and, you know, everybody's transferring, everybody's doing this, everybody's doing that. And I think that whenever you, you know, when you look at that, that's a great opportunity for a head coach in year zero, you know, to come in and, and start building this thing up from the ground floor. Now the idea of Matt rule, to me, uh, you know, I, I love Matt Rule, been a big fan of his for a long time. But one thing that piques my interest is, and I'm sure with you being uh, on the data front, you're working on, on that side of things, is Matt Rule's a big analytics guy, isn't he? Isn't he big into uh, that side? I know that was something that he really pushed when he got the Panthers job was he wanted them to invest more in football analytics. What does that mean for the Oklahoma program? Are they going to uh, – be heavy and involved in investing into that front, giving Matt rule what he needs if he gets this job on that front. 
I, I would say Oklahoma is willing to give the next coach whatever they want. Um, they Oklahoma, and again, I've said this from the get go. They're they're not there is blame to be thrown around in this whole situation, mm-hmm. right? And Oklahoma within forty eight hours, Tyler accomplished two things. One, PR Rashida Oklahoma is incredible, right? Texas was the shield for them for the SEC move. Oklahoma State's the shield for them for Bedlam not being played again. Right. Um, I mean, Bob, Riley, Bob's statement just a couple of days ago was exactly what people needed to hear. And so you add that in, Lincoln Riley's a scumbag, right? Everybody's kind of, that's the narrative that's out there. And that, you know, now they've successfully rallied the troops. Look at the former players talking. Look at the alumni, major alumni out there that are talking about what's happening. Um, and from a donor's perspective, I can sit here and tell you that there are, there are major donors that were, would have been happy to see him pack his bags, whether that was this year, next year, two years, now, three years from now. Again, I think that speaks to some of the dysfunction and lack of access that was being had within the program. And I'm not saying donors should be involved. We know what that looks like at Texas. We know that what that looks like at USC. We know what that looks like at um, you know, Ole Miss, we know that we, we know what that looks like, and it's not a pretty thing. But I think you have to have a head coach that can fundraise, you have to have a head coach that can build relationships with people. Uh, I don't know if they had that because you know, Chris Plank was on our little spaces last night, Tyler, and you know, basically said, like, Could any of you text Lincoln and get an answer from him? Like, did any of you have no, no, like Bob, you could have texted Bob and confirmed something that's happening. Um, you could text, you know, people within the program and they're fine with that. You couldn't under Riley's tenure at Oklahoma. It was locked down. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I think they're going to give whoever the next coach is, is going to be very thankful that Lincoln Riley did what he did, because I think it really rallied the troops and Oklahoma's commitment to winning. I don't think I've heard some of the things I've heard out of Norman before. So if, if things fall through, if it's not Matt rule, who do the Sooners turn to next in their coaching search? LSU thought that they were going to bring in Lincoln Riley, had zeroed in, that didn't work out. All of a sudden, things fell into place for them to, uh, to bring in Brian Kelly. Where does OU turn if it if it doesn't work out with Matt Rule here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Oklahoma. Like, I kind of hate to kind of say that. Like, as long as the leadership's the way that it's right now, joke is to go and um, – like I think I think they're going to be fine long term, and as long as it's Castiglione led, it's the Castiglione way, the way he's put things together, the way this that he's got to adjust as the college football landscape, you know, and that's the lifeblood of these universities, especially at a place like Oklahoma. Like you've got to be able to adjust and adapt with the times. Now that doesn't mean you have to drop your values and drop your integrity and everything that you built the Oklahoma athletic department on. Like you don't have to drop that. You don't have to drop that at all. Um, but you got to be willing to adjust and adapt and change and know what's coming and know what you need and know what to, to know that uh, he's got to be able to do that. But at the same time, like I said, I think Lincoln Riley opened their eyes to what college football really is going to be over the next decade if they didn't really know it. And the next head coach is going to be given everything that they need. And you go through the three list of candidates, right? You have Beamer, you have Venables, and you have Matt Rule. Of all, I don't of those names. I don't worry about anything that's going to happen at Oklahoma. I just don't. Um, yeah. And maybe that's me being naive. 
maybe that's me being, you know, knowing this place and maybe being a little bit biased towards the state of Oklahoma, but I just, I don't see a world where, I mean, Oklahoma football, Lincoln Riley got it. They're going to land a top five class this year. They're going to land a, a number one class next year. Like I, again, I don't, it's hard to see a world where Oklahoma just can't find a guy, have the same success early as like, again, like if Caleb Williams stays, um, you know, have the same success and kind of ride with that. And we'll see. Again, I could be naive, but Oklahoma's a lot closer located to Texas. They have the SEC patch on their jerseys moving forward. And, you know, they're going to be playing games in the most talent-rich areas of the country to, of high school football. Uh, and, I again, I just – when you add in all those factors, like people are like, oh, they're going to be Nebraska now. Like, Tyler, Nebraska is located 12 hours north of Norman. Like, or maybe further, Lincoln is. Again, like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't envision that. Auburn recruits well. Right. Ole Miss, you know, they land top guys. Like, there's, the SEC logo does wonders in the world of recruiting, and I want people to remember that. So, with, with that being said, you mentioned that Lincoln uh, had some great recruiting classes on tap. What do you say about the in the short term? Can these recruiting classes be salvaged some sorts? Is Oklahoma going to take much of a hit there? You think? While I'm while we're recording this, uh, the Board of Regents <laughs> notes came that they they I'm just going to say they had a they've had a scheduled Board of Regents meeting on Friday for a long time. Like this has been scheduled for a while. Um, but part of the things that will be agreed to is a vote on 16 million of proposed renovations to multiple athletic facilities. <laughs> is that not pretty funny they're oh, a PR yes. machine man it is a beast like I said, someone said this to me yesterday if Joe Castiglione hires the best like all that stuff no he's the best off life director in the country because Oklahoma's never done anything wrong right yeah it's a, it's a great point I mean uh, people Seem to forget how bad that uh, Jeff Capel hire went down uh, years ago. That you act like that never happened. Correct. <laughs> it was all Capel's fault. Right. Right. It's always someone else's fault. There. Yes. It's, it's not point. Oklahoma's. Never. Yeah. So I again, I I think that, like I said, the next coach is going to be given everything he wanted, and I think we're seeing that now play out in real time. Um, and we'll we'll see how this plays. We'll see how. We'll see how that head coach can adjust to being at Oklahoma. Before we go, uh, on the football field itself, what do you think this weekend about uh, the Big 12 championship with OSU and Baylor and this college football playoff picture? How do you think this all plays out? Well, I like Oklahoma State this weekend. I Their defense is going to continue to be good. Defense travels. When you have a good defense, it plays good if it's at home. It plays good if it's on the road. And their defense is, you know, you saw me tweet some tweets about this last week, Tyler. Like, Oklahoma State defense, if they, they have – at least two more games to play. If they stay where they're at right now, man, they mm -hmm. will go down as the best defense that Oklahoma's played since 2015. And that's a credit to Oklahoma State. They're elite defensively. They have elite coaches defensively. Um, and I think that that's what makes, you know, them really good and makes them go. And I think that what another thing with Oklahoma State is that they know their identity on offense. They know they don't have the offensive line to go – toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody but they do enough 
They're okay with punting at the 50-yard line to get their defense back on the field and play field position. They play really well complementary football. Um, and I like – again, they get to the playoff, you know, you get a situation, you know, that say things go status quo. They're probably the four seed in this thing. Georgia wins. They're the four seed and play Georgia. But if Cincinnati loses a game here, right, and it's Houston, Oklahoma State gets Michigan and Dallas, and that is a that is a matchup that I like for Oklahoma State. And this is a historic team. We know how good historical Oklahoma State teams are. And I kind of look at them and I spy like that's what you that that's what's good about college football, isn't it? You have a coach mm-hmm. that's loyal to his program. You have players that are loyal to their university. They stuck around. They've worked their tails off. And they've squeezed every ounce of resources, players. They've gotten everything out of what they have. And they don't have nearly as much of a place like Oklahoma has. And I think that's a story that should be celebrated um, in college football. And look at the conference that we cover, right? Mm-hmm. Iowa State. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, four programs that on a national and power five status don't probably recruit in the bottom 15, 10 to 15 schools. They're freaking good every year. And it's, that's, that's what's great about college football. And I love, I, I love watching Oklahoma play football. I enjoyed watching Lincoln Riley coach teams play football. Um, but there was always something just a little bit off every year. Um, and again, you can't tell me when you're a top 10 recruiter in the country that you should be in a, uh, a dog fight with the Kansas Jayhawks and more. It's a great point. Keegan, before we go, tell people where they can uh, find all your work, man. What's the easiest way to, uh, to follow you? Yeah. And that's my Twitter. That's at Keegan Renault, K E G A N R E N E A U. And then the co-host of through the keyhole, uh, a pot, let's just say it'll be more of a not just Oklahoma centric stuff here move in the future. Um, and we have a four dollar tier and we have a five dollar tier. Uh, one's got podcast written content, the one's got a five dollar. Uh, the five dollar tier gets my film reviews. Um, a hire's about to be made. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of fun to be had with that, and so we'll kind of see how this whole thing plays out. And we'll have you covered, uh, over on through the keyhole. Awesome stuff. Keegan, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll have you back on in the uh, near future. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, anytime, Tyler. Thank you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And also reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at lpl.com. O'Connor Advisory Group also on Facebook as well. And Bo joins us right now. You can also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast, available every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, a part of the Studio Soapbox Network. Bo, how are we doing this week? I'm doing good, Tyler. How are you doing there, buddy? Great. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And yeah. what's uh, what's happening in, in your world of uh, OAG and then the uh, Coach Bono's podcast? Hey, well, first off, OAG, this is one of those weeks. Come off the holiday and we get busy. We've been doing service work all week, seems like, which is fine. We'll have the end of the week new clients. But uh, it's great to get reviews in. If you have questions, concerns, 
you look at something and go, what the hell is this? And why am I losing money? You need to call Coach Bo. I'll be able to help you out and come up with some ideas for you. But uh, it's a great time. It's a great time of year. We're in December. We've had a really good year at O'Connor Advisory Group. We're looking at finishing up strong and you know, bringing on a few new clients for the rest of the year and then getting ready, prepared for 2022. That's awesome. Uh, great stuff there going on at O'Connor Advisory Group and the uh, podcast uh, as well. Uh, you got some uh, great yeah. stuff going on there. <clears throat> Yeah, we're going to have some fun this week. We're going to have uh, uh, Ellen's going to be on. We're going to my co-host, and we're going to we're going to argue about something because we're on different sides. This I think is Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yes. We're going to talk about that at length this week. So Do- it's going to be kind of our du jour uh, topic du jour, and we'll have no no shortage of football talk as well. You know what's funny about that? Not to get on a tangent of some sorts because I want people to go listen to what you had to say about it, oh, yeah. but. I don't understand why that's such a big debate. It it just is. It just is. It just is. It's the I, I you'll hear this on my part of it. It's not only do I think it's a Christmas movie, I think it's the greatest of all Christmas movies. Yeah. So yeah, come on the coach. If you disagree with me, tweet me at Coach Bono Show on Twitter or Instagram and uh, tell me why I'm wrong, but I'm not. So all right. Yeah. Yeah. Bo, let's start out with our picks against the spread this week. Yeah, let's and go. we'll roll through these pretty quick because I know that you got some hot takes you need to get off your chest on a number of things. So let's go ahead and look at the slate, the SEC title game, Georgia and Alabama. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Oklahoma State and Baylor in the Big 12 title game, the Pokes favored by five. Big 10 championship, Michigan and Iowa in Indianapolis, Michigan favored by ten-and-a-half. Pac-12 title game, Oregon and Utah. Utah favored by three. The American Conference Championship, to find out who the more American team is. Houston and Cincinnati. Cincinnati favored by ten and a half. In the NFL, Monday Night Football, Patriots and Bills. Bills favored by three. Chargers and Bengals. Bengals favored by three. Sunday Night Football, Broncos and Chiefs. Chiefs a ten-point favorite. The football team taking on the Raiders. Raiders favored by two and a half. Both teams still in playoff contention. The Cowboys and the Saints on Thursday night football, Cowboys favored by four and a half. So let's start out in college football, Georgia and Alabama, Georgia favored by six and a half. Bo, we rarely see Alabama ever as an underdog, but here we are, and they're about a touchdown underdog to this very good Georgia team that's dominated all season long. Yeah, uh, I think the last time that uh, it's been five years, since Alabama was a Vegas underdog. And the last time they were, it was, it was against Georgia, and they beat Georgia. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. This has been – I have been the guy who has banged the drum all year that Georgia is the best team in college football. They were my preseason – they were my preseason pick. I'm stuck with them all the way. I'm going to take them. That's a lot of points to give to Alabama – and Alabama won't play as poorly as they did against Auburn. But uh, I'll take Georgia just because I think mean, Georgia is a lower-tier NFL good. And so I'll take Georgia here, begrudgingly, because I think Bama, if anyone's going to stay close, it is Bama. Yeah, these might be the two best teams in college football in this SEC title game. It might be the de facto national championship when it's all said and done. But, you know, Bo, I got to go with uh, – with Georgia to, uh, to, to win and to cover that six and a half point margin. And for me, this is not a knock on Alabama, but 
Georgia has just shown no weakness this year. To me, this is about Georgia. This is not about their opponent in Alabama. To me, this is about the idea that Georgia is heels above everybody else. I'll go with Georgia to cover. Big 12 championship, Oklahoma State taking on Baylor. The Pokes won this matchup by double digits earlier in the year, despite three turnovers from Spencer Sanders, their quarterback. Here they are, a five-point favorite in Arlington. Bo, Oklahoma State, you win this one, and there's a pretty good chance you're in the playoff. I agree. Oklahoma State wins. They should get in. That's my beef here. If I do think Georgia beats Alabama, that knocks Alabama out and leaves a spot for Oklahoma State. Um, I think this game is a close game, but let me ask the question this way. Um, I lost the pick lead to you this past week, correct? Yes, I so am your father now. Yeah, I got a question. Who did TJ pick in this game? So TJ, uh, who is in last place by about 10 games, uh, he took Oklahoma State. Then I will take Baylor plus the points. That is what we call fading the pick. I, I really I was going back and forth on this. I know that Baylor has a quarterback with it. It could be it's, it's maybe practicing, maybe not, maybe playing. I don't know. That kind of makes me want to lean toward Oklahoma State. But I also wonder if there's a letdown because of Oklahoma State, what they did last week with Oklahoma. Thought that game was going to be close. I think this game is going to be close. You know, last week, we, you know, we all took, you know, different whoever we were. It was, it was the push last week for us. And I took, uh, I took Oklahoma plus the points. I just thought it was close. And I feel the same way about this. Doesn't mean I think Oklahoma State's going to lose. Doesn't mean I like Baylor plus the points. I'll go with Oklahoma State to win and cover here. And I think that. Bo, there was more pressure on Oklahoma State to win last week in Bedlam than there is this week in the Big 12 title game because of their history of not being able to beat Oklahoma. They did not play their best game last week and still won the way that they did. I think that they play even better this week, step things up. I like the Pokes to uh, win and cover that five-point margin against this. I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I don't. I mean, I think that it was a, a much bigger game for them. That's why I'm kind of a little worried about letdown. But I think it's going to be a really good game. This will be the. This is the game other than Bama Georgia. Those first two we just talked about are the two games I want to watch the most. Big Ten title game: Michigan taking on Iowa in Indianapolis. Michigan ten and a half point favorite. Bo, you have been very anti-Iowa this year. I'm always anti-Iowa, and I'm going to be anti-Iowa so much here that I'm going to pick Michigan and lay the 10 points, 10 and a half here. Um, I just – I'm still not convinced that Michigan's the second-best team in the country. I think they got a really – they played an excellent game against an excellent Ohio State team, you know, uh, proving me wrong that Ohio State was the only quality team. But it was – I think some of it could have also been – you know, this is Michigan playing that Michigan run game on a snow field at home, negating a lot of the uh, athleticism that Ohio State had. I think that's part of it. Now, I don't think – I'm not picking Michigan because I think Michigan is just this wild team. I'm picking Michigan because I think Ohio, I think Iowa's bad. So, yeah, give me Michigan here. I'll go with Iowa to cover. I think Michigan wins, but I don't think – that they're going to play as well as they did last week against Ohio State. 
I, I don't think they're going to play as well as they did in that game either. I think that this is within the 10 and a half point margin. They, they might even win by a touchdown, but I don't think they belay what they did last week, do that two weeks in a row. That's why I'll take Iowa to cover with the points there. Pac-12 title game, Oregon taking on Utah. These two teams met just about three weeks ago, and Utah beat the crap out of Oregon in uh, that game. And uh, Utah was favored by about the same amount they're favored here. They were a three-point favorite last time, three-point favorite again. Neutral site game in Vegas. Bo, what do we think here? So I watched the first game, the first Utah-Oregon um, game, very closely. I was, watching, I was watching that game in the hotel in Chicago that night, and I – Kept watching that first quarter, Utah clearly was just gonna just gonna try to steamroll Oregon. And I kept saying, well, if Oregon can just keep it close early, take the crowd out of the game by keeping it close, they have a chance. But they just kept burying themselves. And I don't know that Oregon's gonna come back and do what they in, in, in be good enough to beat the same Utah team. I'm taking Utah. I'm laying the three. I think they're in Oregon's head. I mean, they just dominated that game in every which way two weeks ago. And I just don't see how I can flip that in my mind. All of a sudden, Oregon's going to be better. Oregon wasn't playing great, you know, in the first, you know, in the last few weeks before that. That's why they were, you know, slow. They were, we were arguing whether Oregon was better than Ohio State. And I think Utah exposed them a bit, and I think Utah's going to expose them again. This is the easiest game for me to pick. We saw them play two weeks ago, and Utah beat the crap out of them. I'd be shocked if Utah beats them that bad again, but I've seen enough. Utah's going to cover. They're going to win this game. Three points? Sure, I'll take Utah. Uh, The American Conference Championship. Houston taking on Cincinnati. Cincinnati favored by 10.5. Bo, I'm going with Cincinnati to win and cover, and let me tell you why. Because Cincinnati, I think they understand the assignment here of they don't need to just win. They need to win convincingly in case there is a case to be made when it comes down to resumes or how you look, the quote-unquote eye test. Um, I think you Cincinnati wins and wins big. I, I like them to cover that 10.5-point march. I'm not one. I typically like big lines and like teams to cover big lines, but this one I'll make an exception for. I think Cincinnati does it here. I think they can, and I think Cincinnati will win the game. But I've And I, and I see where you're going. I don't disagree with any of that, but my thing, it, it, it needs some style points. But I think people are underestimating how good Houston is. Houston's the top 15 team. I mean, they're, I mean, look at our rankings as far as, you know, studio soapbox. We've got them up higher, much higher than the AP and everywhere else. Yeah, the committee's got them 21st. Yeah, I mean, we, we understand the assignment that Houston's actually a pretty good football team. And this is, I think this is more, I think this spread is more disrespect to Houston than it is an expectation of Cincinnati. I'm going to take Houston plus 10 and a half. But I think Cincinnati is going to totally win the game. I mean, I think they win by five, six. And they can win it by five or six and still look impressive. Houston's got some athletes out there. It's it's going to be an easy win for anybody. No. Let's go to the NFL now. Patriots and Bills, Monday Night Football. Patriots, the hottest team in the league. Bills coming off a very convincing win at New Orleans last week. Bills favored by three. 
Bo, this is the biggest Monday night game in Buffalo in a very long time. Yeah, this is going to be a hell of a game. Um, this is uh, the Patriots. You said it. They are the hottest team in the NFL. Spoiler alert, they are number one in Coach Bo's uh, pro football rankings right now. We'll have that on the Coach Bono's podcast. Um, I'm just impressed by everything they're doing. They're winning games on both sides of the ball. I like the Patriots to win this game outright, and I'll take them plus three. I do too. Uh, you're giving me three points to work with, with Bill Belichick having the hottest team in the league. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with that, they don't have to win. Yeah. And and the Patriots can put Buffalo away on the, when it comes to the division this week. And don't think Bill Belichick's not telling his guys that. Yeah. This is it. This Now, the Bills have to stand up and fight right now. They got to play as well as they can play right now. They beat the hell out of the Saints last week. But that's a Saints team that doesn't have a quarterback or running back or a or number one receiver. So I'm not overly, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, this, this was a great performance. It was a great performance, but it's not indicative of who the Bills are as a team. And the Bills compared to the Patriots, when push comes to shove, when they've been asked to put up a fight, they haven't been bringing their gloves. They haven't been putting their best foot yeah. forward in some of these fights this year. So no, and, and I, I just, I, I think it's going to be, I think that Josh Allen's going to be on his back a lot. I think the Patriots are going to come after him and come after him. Bill Belichick wants to take away what you do best. And right now, Josh Allen and his game is what's best for Buffalo Bills offense. I'm going to take the Patriots here and yeah, I think they're going to win. Chargers and Bengals. Bengals favored by three. Big time win for the Bengals last week over the Steelers. Uh, what do you think here, Bo? Chargers and a Bengals. Really good matchup between two young quarterbacks and uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow here. Yeah, this is the battle of the, the first rounders from last year. You know, uh, you know, Herbert got a lot of the shine last year because he wasn't hurt, had a great season. The Chargers did not look good the last couple of weeks, and they are taking – they're regressing a little bit. Meanwhile, the Bengals are showing up, and if you, if not the Patriots, the Bengals are a – or could, you could argue that they're one of the hottest three or four teams in the NFL. Um, Joe Burrow's doing enough to win games. He's not going to throw 400 yards every week, but he goes up there and throws a touchdown in 275, and they win by 30. Uh, I like the Bengals. I do too. Yeah, I like the Bengals here to uh, take care of business and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to have a big day there for uh, that yeah. offense. Uh, how about this? Uh, the Broncos and the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Chiefs are a 10-point favorite. Bo, you know I love my Chiefs, but they're not good when it comes to covering the spread. Oh. And they are playing better football lately, to their credit. I think they've turned a corner, they've turned around. But no way in hell right now am I putting 10 points on this Chiefs team. I got to go Denver to cover. I think Chiefs win. I, I'm not taking Chiefs to cover. I will not take the Chiefs to cover the rest of the year, probably. I mean, until they tell Vegas because this shit right. Um, the Broncos plus 10 is, is easy money for me. I, I think the Chiefs will win the game. I think the Broncos will cover. I think that, I mean, the Broncos have played so well the last couple of weeks as well. I mean, their defense is getting a little better. They're, they're getting a little better quarterback play. And 
I don't think they'll come into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, but I still think the Chiefs have some offensive issues to worry about. And I just they're, they're not consistently good yet. They're still doing some tricky stuff and some, you know, I like to call it fantasy football kind of stuff. And they're still doing some of that stuff. That Until they get away from that, I'm not going to be a believer in their offense. I'll think the Broncos in the 10. The football team taking on the Raiders. Raiders favored by two and a half. The Raiders have been really down for the last few weeks until last week when they ended up with a road win against the Dallas Cowboys and one of their best performances of the year. The football team playing a lot better the last few weeks despite the struggles their defense went through. It looks like they're starting to get better, even though Chase Young is out for the year. Raiders are favored by two and a half. Bo, uh, this is the game I feel the least confident about because neither one of these teams have shown any sign of consistency this year. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I feel kind of the same way on this one. Uh, this is kind of a flip the coin with me. I don't have a strong feeling either way. I'm taking the Raiders. Here's my question for this. You know, the Raiders have had these home games that there's a lot of fans of the opposing team. Is there going to be a lot of Washington football team fans in Vegas this weekend? I doubt that. So, is there a such thing as a lot of Washington football team fans? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. So I, I'm going to take the Raiders. Um, I, I'm a little overreacting to how well they played on Thanksgiving. They played really well, but I I don't have a good feel for this. I thought that Washington didn't play well on Monday night either, but that was a horrible game. That was one of the trashiest games I've seen in the NFL in a while. Yeah, that, that game was painful to watch. Uh, oh. I'll go with the Raiders here. You know, I, I don't feel good about it either way, but um, I think that they have more offense than, uh, than Washington does by far. I think that they can outscore Washington and take care of business, cover two and a half. Cowboys and Saints, Cowboys favored by four and a half. Mike McCarthy out with COVID. Saints are expected to have Alvin Kamara back. Cowboys also get Amari Cooper back from the COVID list. And both these teams, usually on Thursday night football ball, we're talking about teams coming off a short week. Both these teams played last Thursday. So despite it being a Thursday night, it's like a normal week for both these teams. Why are you doing this to me, Jonesy? It's the fifth best game of the week. You're killing me. You know what I don't want to do. <laughs> it's hard to not pick my New Orleans Saints. And like the Cowboys, you hate almost as much as the And Falcons. I hate the Cowboys more than anybody. The Cowboys are going to win this game. They're going to beat the New Orleans Saints. This <laughs> game's not going to be close. Um, I love just I, hearing and, those words come out. Unless right. Alvin Kamara comes back and turns into Walter Payton, we're in serious trouble, folks. Um, all right, the Saints don't have a quarterback. The Saints don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a number two receiver. They don't have a tight end. Uh, the, the running back is banged up. He's an all-pro, but he's banged up and probably shouldn't play. The defense is playing inspired. I mean, Demario Davis is carrying the New Orleans Saints defense, and they are just playing inspired ball to see in games. And on the flip side, the Cowboys – the one handicap they have is the guy with the headset on. He has COVID. So you know the Cowboys are going to run the football more. They're going to run the football. They're going to run all over the Saints. This is not going to be close. 
I will begrudgingly take the Cowboys minus four and a half. Oof. Oof. I don't need to say anything more. I think the Cowboys are going to play better without Mike McCarthy there. I do They're too. Kellen Moore, that head coaching job. Cowboys win and cover with ease. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, good luck. Um, let's go ahead and go around the uh, NFL here real quick. Uh, I don't want to spend much time on the NFL because we got much bigger news in college football this week. Um, looking at the Saints, starting Taysom Hill here, um, you know, we, we saw Trevor Simeon play okay for a couple of weeks, but really things took a dark turn. Now Taysom Hill gets his shot. Do you expect – I know you're not a Taysom Hill guy. Do you expect any improvement from Taysom Hill in this offense at that quarterback position? Where does this offense go with Taysom? They're going to run the ball more. They're going to run some of that read option stuff. Here's what's the, the biggest problem with Taysom Hill is that he doesn't have an accurate arm and he can't read defenses. So he can't get up to the line of scrimmage and change plays. So they have to scheme up plays for him to get big, to get big chunks. Uh, it sometimes works. And you might see two or three chunk plays, 25 plus yard plays. That'll be totally Sean Payton just scheming up some shit. I don't think that Taysom Hill is an NFL quarterback. As a Saints fan, you know me well enough. I even talked to you about it. I was angry when I heard that Taysom Hill got a contract extension. And that he's likely to start quarterback. So much so that if you listen to the podcast last week, I said if Taysom Hill becomes the full-time starting quarterback in the New Orleans Saints, my fandom may become, I may become a free agent as far as my NFL fandom, because I'm solely against this. And that's the reason why. They basically have to run a college-style offense where they're doing a lot of read option stuff, and they have to scheme up plays. It's like having a bad young quarterback. And he's 31. Yeah. No, that's not a quarterback you want. You're right. I agree. I agree. Um, staying in the NFL, one more topic. Uh, Russell Wilson, he, it was very evident that he is not happy in Seattle and his emotions are showing that team is not very good. This is the first time that he's been on a struggling team his entire career there. Do you think that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks break up after this year? Is this the last we're seeing of Russell Wilson in uh, the Seahawk uniform? I, up until Monday night, I would have said that they're not breaking up. This Monday made me start rethinking that. And, and I kind of see the whole thing blowing up. I think that we might see Pete Carroll retire. A new coach comes in and says, hey, this, these cupboards aren't full. And they're really not, especially on the offensive side outside of DJ, uh, DK Metcalf. And so the, the, the obvious fix would be a, a trade of Russell Wilson. Um, if he doesn't want to be there and you can trade him, you might as well. He's the one asset you can get the most for. So – I think there's a strong possibility that Russell Wilson doesn't want to be there. There was a God knows there was a lot of talk about it during the game and in the pregame in the postgame on Monday night. But it was the first time this Monday that I thought, huh, maybe he doesn't want to leave. I wouldn't have thought that until Monday night. Yeah. Um, for me, where, where I, I look at, 
we'll end on this before we go to the college side real quick is that, you know, he's upset and all that, but wouldn't you be upset too if you're bad, if you're struggling for the very first time in, in his career? I mean, I, I sympathize with Russ because he's never been through this before. How is he supposed to respond? Yeah, I don't disagree. I, you know, my thing about that is that when you can, so you've got, you know, beginning his career, his rookie contract, him being on the rookie contracts would allow them to keep the Legion of Boom together. And you got to pay the quarterback. So if you're the quarterback, you have, and you get paid, you've got to even step your game up higher because there's less money in his cap to spend, especially to keep that good a defense together, which was aging at the time anyway. He was the young guy. They carried him. And I think that's a big deal. Um, I'm beginning to think Russell Wilson's overrated as well. I, I was thinking about this on Monday night. Is Russell Wilson in your top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes. Is he? I, I kind of think he's six, six, seven, eight right now. He's never really been an MVP kind of guy. I mean, I'll just, for instance, I think we all think the top three are probably going to be Mahomes, Brady. Brady, um, Rogers. What? Rogers. And Rogers, yeah. I think from there you could talk um, um, Buffalo quarterback, uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I think you can say Keller Murray. Keller Murray's better right now. Um, I would argue Dak is better than Russell Wilson. So, I mean, I kind of see him in that area of that not quite as good as the younger guys beyond him. Now, some of that could be injury as well, but is he at a point where he doesn't really care that much? I don't know. I See, I, I would disagree his because as well, I think and I that his frustrations show that he cares. I, yeah, that's the opposite. Right. I, I don't know. And I just – I'm looking at it as saying, okay, well, what's wrong with this guy? And – Maybe he's frustrated with coaching or whatever they've got, but they don't have any pieces to put around him because, well, they don't have any money because of him. Yeah. They paid him. They probably paid him too much. Yeah. And he's going to want another contract, which with his credentials, he deserves. But the Seahawks can't do that. They can't pay him again. Yeah. So I do, I think this could be a, a – I hope for both of them, like it's an amical breakup. I do think it's sort of the – the end of the era kind of type of thing. I think that it's going to be a lot easier to move Russ if Pete Carroll goes first. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's move on to college football. Let's start with the playoff picture. Um, this weekend, how does everything go down and who ends up as your final four teams? Okay, well, we've already said I think Georgia beats Bama. That eliminates Bama. I think it ends with Georgia. Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. So you have chalk. You have the favorites taking care of business. Yeah, I do. I, I just think that that's – I do I, too, Bo, but what gets me about that, that's what I have in my mind. I've been thinking that. But part of me also in the back of my mind is thinking that goes contrary to what the entire season in college football has been of yeah. multiple top ten teams going down every week. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, though, is that – I think we're kind of down to the top four here. And I don't know if they're the best four. 
Let me say that. I don't know that they're the best four teams. It's like survival of the fittest. Kind it kind of is. And if you look at it and you go, well, okay, Georgia's won. I think you got to give Cincinnati a shot if they win because, I mean, they're, they're undefeated. They've done everything you've asked them to do. If Michigan wins the Big Ten, and I don't see Iowa being uh, – uh, Iowa's going to be a, a, a roadside dead animal when it comes to Michigan this week. Not like a deer to get hit by a semi. Um, it's on the side of the road. And then the most likely of the four to lose to me is Oklahoma State. But I don't think it's likely. If one's going to lose, I think it's Oklahoma State. But I think they're going to win a close game. If there is a loss besides Alabama to Georgia, if it's one of the others, then this whole thing's going to blow up and be a very interesting controversy, especially if we get – Two losses. Let's say for all intents and purposes, Michigan and Oklahoma State go down or Cincinnati and Oklahoma State, whatever it may be. Like, it looks like this is all going to play itself out on the field of the four teams you mentioned. But one or two things, and all of a sudden, we have a long night, Saturday night, trying to figure out who these four teams are. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it here. um, Then all of a sudden, two loss teams become – part of the discussion yeah i i so here's the one that i think is funny can a one loss notre dame team that just lost their coach get in well and here's what what grinds my gears is that the selection committee chair on espn the other night says that notre dame losing their coach hurts their case for making the playoff uh, and i'm like yeah. Are you kidding me? That's not those players' fault that their coach left. That shouldn't be on them. You don't know if Michigan is any better or any worse without Brian Kelly. To me, that is that is a bunch of BS. I feel bad for those players. That has nothing to do with what they've done for their body of work this year. Yeah, well, I don't I I I, I kind of disagree. I I think that what it means is that Brian Kelly doesn't have enough um I don't think he has enough belief in his players that they're worthy of being in that top four. And that I, may be, I, I but that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, but I, I think that one man when he's the head guy in the locker room is a big deal. If he doesn't believe in him, why should anybody else? And, and granted, I'm not an apologist for Notre Dame by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like that's wrong for those yeah. players. The other thing I think Notre Dame has zero quality wins. That too. Zero. <laughs> Tell me who they beat. Wisconsin's their only top 25 win. Well, I know how good I think they are. So, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I, that, I, the one that could sneak in is, is Notre Dame. I just think it's going to be chalk when it's all said and done this week. I think I could see one losing. I think it's Oklahoma State if the one does lose. But, uh, and, and if it is Georgia that loses, well, then we got problems because Bama's in. Bama Bulls left back. out Oklahoma State or Cincinnati, if that's the case. If Cincinnati wins and Michigan wins and Georgia loses to Bama, I think Oklahoma State's the one who's out. And Cincinnati gets in. Yeah. I just think it's too hard to argue that the undefeated team can't be in. I think, and this committee has been There won't real- be any of them left. They have been brutal with Cincinnati. They have. Absolutely, they have. 
I don't think, especially if Oklahoma State looks really good against a top 10 Baylor team, I think this com- this committee says bye to Cincinnati puts Oklahoma State in. You may not be wrong. I, I just I I'm not saying that, Oklahoma State's more deserving, but based on yeah. the way the track record of this committee goes, I'm not putting it yeah. past them to get rid of the yeah, group yeah. of five team when they have if, a chance. If there is a way to screw it up, this committee will figure it out. Away. Yes. This is the game that can't shoot straight. They will find a way to screw it up. Yeah. Um, the coaching changes. <laughs> there we go. Lincoln Riley to USC, Brian Kelly to LSU, Billy Napier. Everybody seems to forget about that. Went to Florida. (laughs) What do you make of these these changes that have gone on the last couple days here? Uh, Has anybody of the top schools, has anybody made a bad hire yet? No. um, I was surprised. You know, we're getting these reports as we're recording this that Marcus Freeman gets the Notre Dame job. Yeah. I thought – that they would go for a big name like a Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell. I didn't expect them to go in-house. Yeah, I, I'm i a little surprised. I mean, the one the thing I wanted to see, I wanted to see all hell break loose and Urban Meyer end up there. But uh, that wasn't going to happen. Um, it would have been the second job to fall in, if, second thing to fall into second his thing lap to fall this year. Second thing to fall in his lap this, yeah, this season. Yeah. And, and, and the second most interesting thing to fall in his lap this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's any guy who can punch up somehow. It's that guy. Um, he, I, I, I'm surprised Notre Dame's tired. That's who it is. And you're, you're saying you've seen that. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not looking as hard as you are. Um, I think LSU made a great hire. You know, I do love the argument. This hire they've made since Nick Saban, I think. I think it is too. And look, if Ed Ogeron and Les Miles can win national championships at LSU, you think Brian Kelly can't? He's won everywhere he's been. He's he's a really good coach. But I have a brother who's a huge Notre Dame fan. You know, and here I'm the big LSU guy. And I just said, man, I, I love it. We just stole your coach. That guy's a really good coach. And I've been a fan of his for years. I think he's a great coach. I've said, I think he's the great, not just the winningest coach. We know he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. I think he's the greatest coach in Notre Dame history. He's got the most wins in school history. I think he's the best coach Notre Dame's ever had. For them well, to compete nowadays when they are just behind in athleticism the way they are, uh, I think it says a lot about who he is. Now he gets to go recruit players. that doesn't have to worry about who can pass calculus as a freshman. And he doesn't have to lead the state of Louisiana. And I thought I had, it was, um, I think it was Marcus Spears. That said something about, you know, you want to get, you want to worry about the guy and culture and everything else. You know, how you can get through culture in Louisiana, just win. Yeah. Just go there and win. When they had the culture guy in, in Coach Bo, and that didn't work. Yeah. You coach O, not Coach Bo. Coach O. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that, yeah, I just, I, I think it's a really good, I think that's a great hire. I think USC outkicked their punt coverage. Lincoln Riley's a good hire. Um, I mean, that's good a hire as they're going to make. And I'm more on the Lincoln Riley ran from the SEC thing. I mean, he he went running as far as I'm concerned. Right. It wasn't he just that he left Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. He also turned down LSU. Yeah. So the argument I'll make is this. If you would argue that – we could all agree the best three jobs in the new SEC, including 
Oklahoma and Texas. The three best jobs are LSU, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll concede that to me. Lincoln Riley had a chance at two of them this week and turned them down to go out west. Now he getting fall into a great package, great for him, great for his family. It's life changing money. But a lot of that is he also looked and went, oh, shit, we're going to the SEC. And you know what's happened in the SEC in the last five years? Every team has turned over coaches except for one. Mm-hmm. In the last six years. In the last six years, only Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have lasted six years or more. Smart's been there six now. But that's it. That's the only two Every other team in the SEC has turned over their head coach. Some have done it twice. I think Lincoln Riley looked at that and went, look, you know, the expectations are going to be high. And if I'm not a national championship guy, I may not last. Right. Comparatively speaking, at USC, it should be easy in a school that is the only one out there that is a national brand, um, you know, in that conference, yeah. a place that he's already recruited well on the West coast when he was at Oklahoma. Um, you know, it, it, it all adds up that way. Cause it's not a money issue. Oklahoma and LSU offer just as much as USC did. Yeah. It's, it's about taking the easy way out. Yeah. I, I think that was a lot of it. I mean, yeah. Uh, how many of OU's assistant coaches have gone with him? Uh, at least three. And yeah. I'm sure you've heard about this uh, this story going on with uh, one of their assistants right now, haven't you? No, no, tell me. Okay. So we were just talking about this with uh, with Keegan earlier. And uh, what a, a wild story that this is uh, in uh, in this Oklahoma situation with one of their assistant coaches. Um, that their cornerbacks coach was caught recruiting on behalf of USC while still making in-home visits with Bob Stoops as an employee of Oklahoma. And now OU compliance has already called it out. And uh, yeah, it's not looking pretty. Well, if there's anybody that's going to be on top of it, it's going to be OU compliance. <laughs> We've learned that. You learn that whether it's illegal recruiting or a spaghetti dinner, OU compliance is going to get after you. We know that. So, yeah, I, uh, that's, that's not good. That's not good. Why is Bob Stoops going on recruiting business? Because he's the interim head coach right now. Isn't that going to be the full-time coach? No chance. Uh, Until I see someone hired. I'm still going to think it's him. I, especially if I hear he's on recruiting business. He's doing his part to keep the, the whole thing together because they've been yeah, losing obviously. recruits left and right. I, I just wonder. I, man, I, I'll say this much. If Bob Stoops wants that job, it would already be his right now. I, I would think so. What about his brother? What about Mark? Mark just signed an extension with He signed an extension at Kentucky. That's right. So that they get to keep him. Everyone's getting an extension. Everybody. It's like Oprah over here giving out extensions. 
James I Franklin, think you want an extension. Mel Tucker, you want an extension. I think it's Matt Rule or Brent Venables when it's all said and done, and I don't think they can go wrong either way. I think both of them are good choices. I want to see Brent Venables get a get a get a get a head job. I mean, the guy needs a head coaching job. It reminds me so much of when we were all begging for Kirby Smart to finally get a shot. Yeah. And, well, I think that Brent Venables has done what Kirby Smart and even Bob Stoops did, a, you know, a generation ago. Waited and waited till the right job. A Billy Napier did the same thing. And waited and waited. He could have had the power five jobs. He just waited for Florida to come open, took Florida. That's a really good hire there, too. So he already knows about Gators and everything. It'll be fine. How about the way that these went down? I know one of them went in your favor, getting Brian Kelly to LSU. But yeah. when you hear the reports of that, hey, Lincoln Riley potentially was recruiting guys and already on this USC track well before Sunday when he claims that within just a couple hours of him accepting that job that he was going to move out to L.A. and such, that it all happened so fast. The lies that are out there. He got caught in a bold-faced lie on Scott Van Pelt's show the other night. And then you hear these rumors of, you know, already stuff about assistant coaches that are still employed by OU recruiting on USC's behalf, whatnot. And then, you know, with Brian Kelly, he doesn't tell his players he's leaving. They find out through the media and tells them, like, hey, I'm going to call a 7 a.m. meeting tomorrow, and we're going to discuss this. And he's there for four minutes, and then he's gone. Um, I don't like the, the way that these are being handled at all. I know it's a business, Bo, but these college kids deserve better than what they're going to. Well, I, yeah, my thing is, that what do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? You want them to hang around and the guys, you know. Leaving your team before you can make the playoff? Come on. Yeah, but he wouldn't make it to the playoff. I don't think he'd make it to the playoff. But I, hey, look, you know, so I heard one of the things on Brian Kelly is that he asked Notre Dame for an indoor football facility, and they said no. Yeah. Kansas has got a goddamn indoor facility. Notre Dame doesn't have one. Or are they worried it's going to block touchdown Jesus? Come on. The, the, and, uh... and, I, and I love the people who are saying – well, wait till he gets to Baton Rouge and sees what Baton Rouge is like compared to South Bend. Have you ever been to South Bend, Indiana? I can't say I have. It is as dangerous as Baton Rouge. Yeah. Sorry, I cussed on your show, but no, I don't want to hear that at all. I mean, it ain't like, I mean, I've been to South Bend. I'm telling you, outside of the confines of that, that, college, that college campus, that ain't a safe place. And no, I, it, it, I, he's going to do just fine at LSU. I think Lincoln Riley's going to do great at USC. It's now down to Oklahoma to make a big hire. And, and I think whoever they hire, you said Matt Rule, you said Brett Venables. I think those are both home runs. I think Florida hit a home run. I think the big schools have all hit home runs so far. And then it'll, there'll be somebody here in a few weeks who, when the NFL season's over, some college coach is going to go to the NFL, creating a whole other carousel. So I don't know who that'll be, but it'll be somebody. Last thing, let's end on this. Yeah. One thing I don't understand with college sports, how do these coaches not have non-compete clauses? The NFL has them. Professional sports do. The players 
uh, up until recently couldn't just up and leave and go anywhere without sitting out a year and such. How are we at this point that guys can leave in the middle of the season like this without any repercussions? Well, that's a really good question. You know, and it comes down to, you know, there is buyout clauses in a lot of these contracts. And now we just have agents who are savvy enough to get these contracts guaranteed or with lower buyouts or whatever they need because schools are desperate to hire the best people Mm -hmm. because they have to have the best name, the biggest name for recruiting, for recruiting, for fundraising and everything else. So, you know, when you, when you go into a negotiation and you got all the power, you can negotiate your way out of some stuff. I mean, I mean, LSU just paid a lot of money for to make Ed Ogeron go away. You know, look at all the money that Kansas has spent on coaches in the last few years, in the last 10, 12 years. You know, there's plenty of places that have done the same thing. Notre Dame had to pay um, Charlie Weiss for a long time. I mean, literally every other industry on the yeah. planet, my job in media is loaded with people that have non-compete yeah. clauses. Yeah, we got in my industry too. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, when I worked for somebody else, I had to non-compete. You know, I understand. It is what it is. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting. And there's not going back. I don't see it changing either. No, because those those coaches now, coaches are the brands of college football. Mm -hmm. And because they're the brand, that money has to go somewhere. It's going to those coaches. You know, the NCAA is making so much money. These college programs are making so much money. They don't have to pay the players. They're paying the coaches, at least the head guys. And they're getting they're getting a lot of money. And because of the value they bring in the name brand, they're able to negotiate some things. Yeah, I mean, it used to be you were worried about firing a coach because of the buyout. Nobody worries about that anymore. And if you do, you're poor. Yeah. Yeah. You're not the SEC. So what, what do we say in the SEC? It just means more. It just means more. It just means more. It didn't mean more to Lincoln Riley. Not to Lincoln Riley. Well, he went running. We got coaches that are going to make $100 million. We'll end on this. What would you do with $100 million, Bill? Thought about that before. I know how to use money, too. <laughs> I would hope you do. I... I would do a lot of good for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who come along in my life and be good to me that I'd go back and do something good for. But man, I, I wouldn't be some stuck up asshole with a hundred million dollars. I'd buy you lunch, bro. <laughs> You'd sponsor my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Coach Bo Knows Podcast, out each and every Monday and Friday. Apple, Spotify, <laughs> Google Podcasts, part of the Studio Soapbox Network. O'Connor Advice Group online, oagcats.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com as well. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next Thank week. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get you our Big 12 breakdown this week. Pretty easy what there is to break down. The Big 12 Conference Championship game coming up on Saturday between the Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Baylor Bears. These two teams did meet earlier this year in Stillwater, and Oklahoma State came out the victors in that one as uh, the Cowboys had a dominating performance. They won by double digits despite three turnovers from Spencer Sanders. You're talking about two physical football teams in Oklahoma State and in Baylor here. 
Uh, Oklahoma State won this game back in October, on October 2nd, 24-14. to 14. Tom, um, you know, I look at this, and I think that there is less pressure on Oklahoma State to win this Big 12 title game than there was against Baylor. We were talking about for, you know, the week leading up to Bedlam that, you know, there's this chip on OSU's shoulder of some sort that they can't go, get over the hump of, of, you know, winning Bedlam and beating OU and, you know, in the, in the third quarter when they had all those self-inflicted wounds and gave up that lead and, oh, you went up by two scores. Then we were saying to ourselves, oh, great, here we go again. We've seen this song before. Um, you got past that now. You have taken care of business. You did what you were not supposed to do, according to a lot of people, and that's beat Oklahoma in a close rivalry game, something that has now only been done 19 times ever. Now you take on this Baylor team. You've already beat them before. You're the more talented team. Um, I think that Oklahoma State has less pressure here. I think they're going to take care of business. Um, you're talking about needing to win this game to make the college football playoff and possibly some style points involved here too because if Alabama were to beat Georgia, then all of a sudden we have a playoff debate about the other two spots between Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati. Um, I think that Oklahoma State here wins this game. I think they send a message. Um, Baylor didn't look too great against Texas Tech last week, and we know Texas Tech's not that great of a football team. I think Oklahoma State can win this maybe even by 14 or more. I think they know what's ahead of them. Um, I like what I, what I saw from Oklahoma State last week, that defense, the offense has come together. Jalen Warren has been terrific. Uh, I think it's going to be a big day for the Pokes on Saturday, and they'll punch their ticket to the college football playoff when it's all said and done. Yeah, and I, I think you're right about that. And obviously, I like Oklahoma State in this matchup. I'll, I will be there leaving on Saturday from Tulsa about 4 a.m. for this 11 a.m. game. Um, but I, I think it goes one of two ways, and I think both ways end up in an Oklahoma State victory, knock on wood. But I think OSU, and, and, if, and I've been to a lot of the games, um, obviously this year, including the away games. And OSU is a very, I mean, they've, they've been relentless all year, but they're a very play you close or, or kick your ass team. And so you mentioned you could see this OSU team coming in and take care of business. So could I. I'm thinking like if they come in and take care of business, I think 17 or more is not crazy to think, especially if, if uh, Baylor's playing the freshman quarterback who, you know, had – it was throwing some pretty good balls. Or if they play even a, a banged-up uh, Gary Bohannon. I mean, he's not going to probably be able to move on that hamstring near as well. Um, you know, I could see OSU take, come in and take care of business by 17 or more. I could also see OSU playing this real close and being, being a game where it comes down to la- whoever's got the ball last or maybe a last-second field goal. I mean, um, Blake Chapman last fight. week for Baylor didn't play bad. I mean, he was, you know, 254 yards, two touchdowns in his first career start. But, I mean, newsflash, the Oklahoma State defense is a lot tougher than Texas Tech's defense. If they're throwing a freshman quarterback out there, it's game over before it even starts. Um, Bohannon gives Baylor a chance of some sorts, but – uh, I don't know much beyond that, how he's going to look if, if he ends up playing in this game, what that all means uh, for Baylor here. But uh, if Oklahoma State wins, as we expect them to, 
let's let's look at the scenarios here. Okay. Um, there's the obvious scenario of a chalk situation where all the favorites take care of business. Let's say that Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati all win. I think giving Oklahoma State another top 10 win probably leapfrogs them over Cincinnati and they move into the three spot. And then we're looking at a Michigan-Oklahoma State matchup. If I'm Oklahoma State and you can tell me I can play any of those three teams in the opening round of the playoff, give me Michigan. I like that matchup for Oklahoma State. Cincinnati's got a got an elite offense. I think Cincinnati could beat Oklahoma State. Uh, it'd be a very good game, but I'd rather face Michigan than I would face Cincinnati. Obviously, no one wants to face Georgia. You want to avoid Georgia at all costs, and hopefully somebody else can take them out of the way for you. But if I'm Oklahoma State, I think your best hope for this weekend is that you make the playoff and you get that two or three seed and get that matchup with Michigan. That's who I would want to play. Who would you want to play if you're in the playoff, Tom? Well, you know, what I think is going to end up happening is I think that Oklahoma State wins, um, and I also think Cincinnati wins, and I think Michigan wins. You know, I think it's pretty cut and dry. And if that happens, I think I think the committee will put Oklahoma State at the three seed, and I think it'll be Michigan versus Oklahoma State. And I, I agree with you. I think that's the best matchup um, for Oklahoma State. I mean, this Michigan team, you know, can be beat. They have a pretty solid defense. They're riding high after, you know, the Ohio State win. But I think it would be a great matchup. And um, really the reason I say that I would rather have Michigan, not because I don't think Oklahoma State could beat Cincinnati, because I think they would. Um, but the way it will end up playing out, if Oklahoma State takes the four seed and plays a Georgia or whoever ends up being one seed, that game is going to be in Miami, Florida. On the flip side, if they end up at the three seed or somehow the two seed, that game is going to be played in Dallas, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. And I think if you're Oklahoma State, you do you score however many style points you can if it comes down to that against Baylor to make sure you play in Dallas, Texas and not in Miami, Florida. Because if the Cotton Bowl – and if it's – you know, obviously there's Michigan fans, kind of like there's Laker fans all over. There's, there's going to be Michigan fans there. But I guarantee you, if that game's in Dallas, there will be it will be 75-25 Oklahoma State fans, and it will essentially be a home game for Oklahoma State. Right. You do not worry about the code of sportsmanship against Baylor. You go for right. it. Right. Yeah, I mean, you just <laughs> – right. And, and someone even someone even joked I saw on Twitter about, you know, they expect Oklahoma State to win, but Baylor's going to kick a last-second field goal for style points. <laughs> <laughs> right, just to get for the tiebreaker, which would be hilarious uh, if they if they did that. They had the ball last and said, "The hell with it." We'll kick a field goal to lessen the defeat to four instead of seven. Right. Yeah, I could see that uh, that happening. You know, we wonder about the next chapter of the Big Twelve, and I like all four teams they're bringing in. They're bringing in four good programs, and um, you know, you look at the four: Cincinnati, obviously, on the verge of making the playoff; UCF. They were the national champions three years ago. <laughs> um, but uh, BYU's had a really good year. Houston, they're in that conference championship game against Cincinnati. They've had a really good year. Um, all four of these teams are going to make this league still competitive and fun to watch and a very worthy Power Five conference. But 
part of the next chapter is trying to find those new rivalries, those new, the new things that make this work. And I, I wonder if, if Cincinnati gets in over OSU or if OU gets in over Cincinnati or if they end up playing each other, is there potential, you think, Tom, for some bad blood between OU and Cincinnati? I know that we haven't even seen them take the field or how this playoff picture plays out, but just the fact that before they even get in, that there's going to be some history between these two. Um, and, and maybe there's not. Maybe at the end of the day, they both make the playoff and they never play each other and, you know, it, nothing happens. But if there is something – where one gets in over the other, or they play each other in a playoff game, maybe we start to see the story unfold in this next chapter, get an early start with OU and Cincinnati here. Who knows? Maybe I'm reaching there, but I think this could be the beginning of something. I don't think you're reaching at all. I think that's exactly what will happen if, if you know, Oklahoma State goes in and blows the doors off Baylor and, and Cincinnati, you know, kind of plays Houston close and they keep Cincy in and Bama wins and you know, they obviously they, they if if Bama wins, they can't there won't be a Georgia Bama automatic rematch. One will get one will get the one seed and the other will get the two or three or however you want to go about that. Um, there won't be a semifinal rematch, with, even if it should be. Um, if that's the case and, and, you know, Oklahoma jumps and gets the four or Cincinnati stays at four, there will be, you know, they, they wouldn't direct bad blood right I mean they didn't do anything to each other they both did what they needed to do and took care of this at that point they would be have to be pissed off at you know at the committee but I think coming in I guarantee that first game would be like you kicked us out now we're about to whoop your ass type situation I, I know it would be I, I mean if, if Cincinnati gets in over Oklahoma State if we beat Baylor uh, the first game when Cincinnati comes to Stillwater I'll be yelling my ass off I'll be pissed well, even if, uh, if they play, even if they play in a semifinal and it's a competitive game or something happens there, then that's the start oh. of the Big Twelve era between those two, essentially. Oh, it would be any. It would be it would be such a fun game. I you know for Oklahoma State, I want them to play Michigan, but if if the cards fell where they need to fall and and Oklahoma State played Cincinnati, it would be. I think the atmosphere would be incredible. Um, you know, the Cincinnati is one of the one of the incoming Big 12 teams. It's already flying the Big 12 flag. You know, they're happy to be they're happy to be where they're at and they're happy to be joining the Big 12. And, you know, as a Big 12 fan, I'm happy to bring them in. Um, I, I think it would be electric. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Foley story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Well, Jones, as it is now December, you know, we just got past Thanksgiving and, and you had, you know, everybody listening, you had to see your family. I don't care if you love them, you hate them. Uh, you know, some family you just rather not see. Um, and, you know, I didn't I didn't have any of that. And Jones, you know, we talked about Thanksgiving. You got to spend Thanksgiving with your immediate family. I would hope you would be excited to see all of them. Um, I was. Uh, I avoided my extended family, and that was probably a good call. I had a very nice, relaxful, peaceful Thanksgiving, and it was all good. Didn't have to go to the church and got to drink all day. It was great. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, you know, same for me. It was just, it was my immediate family. Uh, Sans, my sister, who was a nurse, who was working, so that sucked for her. But, 
Um, and then Aunt B came over with her family. Um, you know, my cousins, Aunt B's kids, and and their significant others and kids. Um, so they all came over, and we had Thanksgiving there. And so, and Aunt B can cook, so it was it all was well there. Um, but you know, for those of you out there listening, I, I can guarantee you, you Thanksgivings didn't all go as well as me and Tyler's. And now you have Christmas coming up. Um, and, and so this really focuses on aunts and uncles. I love my aunts and uncles. Um, there's I like more than others. And I'm sure Jones can say the same thing. But this article, um, not necessarily a story, but kind of more so a discussion. And it's labeled or titled Top Aunts Slash Uncles. You don't especially look forward to seeing this holiday season. Jones, I'm sure you might have one in mind. Um, I got a few. I don't know that I... Right. I don't know that I necessarily have one in mind, but it reads the ant who tells you that you must get hitched in the years while you're still in your prime. If you want to get a good one. Um, I don't know that anybody's ever said that to me, but I guarantee you, I'd, I'd like to even almost get Bo in on this. I bet Bo would have a hell of a time with this. Um, you know, and have you had any aunts or uncles saying, Tyler, you need to find you an old girl. Oh, I hear that way too often. It drives me crazy. Uh, my grandparents do the same thing too, and uh, I- I'm just wondering, like, okay, when I when I bring one home, are you just going to shut up or or what? Or are you just going to chat her ear off? What What are you doing? Now, see, that's when when are y'all having kids? She could be Ooh. a month in girlfriend. They're like, so. What I think is funny about that, you know, when growing up, and I'm, I'm sure you probably got this more so than I did, just because of the family dynamics, but. Uh, you know, it was always like, now don't be going out and give me a grandkid before you get out of high school or when you're still in your early 20s. Now it's like they're encouraging us to just go out and have wild, crazy sex with whatever girl because now, now the parents are at that age, they want grandkids. At least in my family, me being 29 and, you know, my sister is, you know, a little bit younger than you, my youngest sister, but my oldest sister just obviously had a kid that's now one. I've gotten that to um, an extent too. The big one for me is like, you know, if if you meet a, a rich girl or she's got a good setup, you know, I mean, I mean, just go for it. You know, I mean, okay, that's what my dad says. You can marry more money than five minutes and you can make it a lifetime. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I always, uh, you know, if I didn't meet anybody, I always think that like, listen, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, a friend group can vouch for that. You know, family got a lot of money. I mean, you know, why would you marry? Why wouldn't you marry into a family with a yacht? Uh, I mean, that's just sweetens the deal. But uh, the next one, the uncle that still lives in mom's basement acts like his failed music career isn't his fault. Uh, I don't know anybody would. Right. And, I, you know, I don't feel like I know anybody with a music career and uh, I mean, or that's trying for like a real music career, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you could call. I don't know if you could call my DJing a music career. It's more of a hobby that I make money and drink with. Um, that one, I would think that one's kind of niche, honestly. The uncle whose best years were during college football and he'll let you know it again and again. I don't have any uncles that played college football, but I did have uncles that played sports uh, or and or were in the military, and that oh. does get brought up all the time. Oh, I got one for you. Um, so my my aunt, and I'm not going to mention her by name. I'll, I'll let this just kind of leave to the imagination. But she previously 
was married to a guy that claimed he played at OSU in the 70s and that he was on the freshman team, um, that he was a running back. And uh, when I heard this, I'm like, really, really, tell me about that. And, you know, he would tell me some things here and there. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember going to Columbia and playing Mizzou and, you know, I had a punt return and such. I'm like, oh, okay. And and uh, he's like, but, you know, I blew out my knee and I didn't play beyond that. Well, uh, I did some some research and uh, <laughs> all of that was a bit of a fib. Uh, he, he didn't end up playing uh, any time at Oklahoma State. I don't even know if he went there. And uh, let's just say that that uh, they're not married anymore. We'll put it at that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's uh... – yeah, that's a good one. I'm sure surprised he was telling fibs to a guy that does sports, but <laughs> all right, it's like, well, <laughs> not very smart. Dude. Um, the ant that says you're too skinny or fat. Um, you know, I've gotten that multiple different times. Say, well, you, you know, growing up, you need to put some, you need to eat, you need to put some weight on, or uh, you know, here recently I did the 75 hard and, and lost some weight and and. People say, damn, what are you, you know, you're on, you on the shit? I mean, that's the dad side of the family. You on the shit, boy? You know, like, you know, it's like, boy. no. Yeah, that's, uh, I've gotten that of like, damn, you got big. You know, my, that's my dad's redneck side of the family. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I can, I can get that. It's usually the aunt that also needs to lose weight, uh, is the one that's like, damn. That, right. That's, uh, you know, oh, that when, one. When I was home, you know, I, I told you that I didn't, you know, we didn't have the extended family get together, but I did visit my grandparents. Uh, right. my, my grandfather, he asked me how much I weighed. <laughs> <laughs> how much did I never, I guess I never met your grandparents. Is this the, um, this is, is my uh, dad's dad. He said I was, old? he said I was looking good. He said, how much you weigh now? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The aunt and uncle that are clearly stuck in an unhappy marriage, and they continuously bicker uh, and make everyone else uncomfortable. I don't think I've had that. I've seen it. Um, I don't see it right now, but I've been there. I, I know what that's like. It's not fun. Yeah, I, I never really. I don't think I've really ever had that. Maybe I can't. I can't remember that. Keep, um, it, at, keep it at home, people. You know, just get along while you're around others, and you know, save it for you know the bedroom. I guess. Right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's true too. Um. Let's see. Um, we got time for a couple more. What else we got? Yeah. Let's let's get some good ones here. Um, the aunt uncle who blame you for everything your generation has gotten wrong, like you personally had a hand in it. I feel, you know, you kids these days doing this and that. It's like, shut the hell up. Like, like until you can print a Microsoft Word document, don't tell me anything about my generation. You know, a friend of the show, David Starr, uh, he was telling me and Dominic the other day, he was, uh, he said that we're too bored if we spend all day if we're on the internet all day <laughs> i think he's i think he's missing out or he's just jealous that he can't use it yeah that's and, gotta be it 
and and David, he's like an uncle to me. You know, I've said that for a while, and I said, all right, that, that sounds like an old man get off my lawn moment. You know, you're you're, you're bored if you're on the internet all day. All right. Okay. Here's here. We'll do this last one. This one. Uh, this one. You know it, and I, I I hate to do it when I when I when I do do this, and in, in terms of telling them the joke back, but the in quotes funny uncle who tells joke book jokes the same ones every single year that oh, happens a lot and then i i know the joke and then i repeat it i'm like yep yeah i've heard that one and then i'm like well i got another one for you and i'm like oh is it this one and they're like yeah yeah i told you that one I'm like, yeah 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 that dude is dreadful and it's like i get you i get i get the uncle just wants to be funny but Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like don't. Right. And that that gets old quick. It's like a but scripted, I, it's like a scripted bit or routine of some sorts. Right. Every single year, and you already know it's coming. Yeah. That's too gosh. good. That is very good stuff there, Tom. Uh, thanks for bringing that to us. We gotta go. Um, big thanks to uh, Keegan Renault for joining us. Check him out. He's doing some great work. Uh, there in uh, Oklahoma City. Appreciate him joining us as well as Coach Bo uh, for stopping by and you, the listener, for being here with us as well. As always, subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And you can also find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live forward slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges at studio underscore soapbox and also on Instagram, Tyler Jones live uh, Insta Thomas and uh, Jones underscore report. Also you can uh, check out our other podcasts in the studio soapbox network, Tom and I, as well as coach Bo, we did an emergency podcast with Lincoln Riley uh, on Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think Lincoln was a little busy. We might've had some choice words for Lincoln Riley if he was on with us, uh, but no, on Lincoln Riley on the Raw Tools Show with Luke Slayboss. So I encourage you to check that out. I know a lot has changed since that conversation. That feels like a century ago. It was only Monday, but check it out if you get a chance. Luke does a great job with that show. Also, of course, uh, Bo's show, uh, the Coach Bo Knows podcast. He's got a new episode out tomorrow. Uh, Let's go racing with David Starr. Uh, we did an episode this week on NASCAR sponsorship, how it all works. Really good insights there. And uh, the Bevo Boys, also wrapped up the Texas football season, gave their thoughts on a Lincoln Riley leaving OU. So plenty of good content this week on the network. Check out all those shows. Subscribe and uh, listen to those. We certainly would appreciate it. Got to run. We'll see you right back here next week on the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges of Toddler Jones, saying so long.